are about to be outfitted with intestinators. Mentel Corporation's automatic behavior control device. Observe all rules. Be especially observant of the yellow and red line. Crossing a yellow line will result in pain. Crossing a red line will result in death. Crime does not pay. <coughs> so you, uh, you new around here, buddy? Yes, I am new around here. <laughs> I was like, I can't do Belgium. I'll just, I'll just go for Swedish chef. Okay, so that's a, it's a pretty crazy accent. Where, where, where are you from? The Sweden chef. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What they got you in for, buddy? Uh, my wife was gonna have a second baby. <laughs> okay. Okay. It turns out that's illegal in the future. <laughs> well, now I was shut down. What was that? <laughs> I was shut down in World War One. Oh no. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Do you want to get out of here? Out of this prison we're trapped in? Yes. Okay. <laughs> My younger singer at home is that every time Finn goes to speak, he really looks like he's not going to do it. <laughs> and then it's like something is possessing him. Like something is coming over his body. Oh no, a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I've been possessed by a goose. Oh, right. Okay. <clears throat> so, <laughs> I've been thinking, this is my first time in prison. So how we break out of here, we got to think of some uh, examples. Have you heard any tell? I tried to get my brother to tattoo a map of the prison on his back, like in a claimed TV series, Prison Break, that everyone remembers. It was, it was a big deal. Yeah. And, and it's kind <laughs> What? <laughs> it just feels it's like it feels like one of those things where it's like we're getting angry email being like this is a very offensive portrayal of a very specific you know yeah no i just like to apologize to all the swedish chefs out there <laughs> like well yeah the swedish chef is like a harrowing He's... portrayal of brain damage <laughs> any anyway oh we can't talk the guards here let's talk about something else uh, <laughs> you seen any good movies lately? Yeah, I, st I started, I've started watching Robert Zemeckis' The Witches, and I, I think it's better than everyone says. I, like, I, th I think it's got a nice, I think it, everyone's saying it's a little too scary for kids, a misunderstanding just how scared children should really be. What do you think of Chris Rock's narration? I, I like, like, I like Chris Rock. Yeah. I like narration. So I thought, why not combine the two? And it's Chris Rock as a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> Losing it. I'm fucking... It's gone. Oh, your your voice has changed, compadre. Yeah, I just, I, just, I, just, I just went through accent puberty. Oh, sorry, sorry. What's your name? Stephen. 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 Carruthers. <laughs> Stephen Carruthers. I pronounce it Caruthers. But, <laughs> but that's just me. That's how you pronounce that name, I think. Anyway, I'm in... I'm in a nameless prison inmate in here. Don't ask me any questions. I was shut down. Now, how do you think we should break out of here? Will there be good like a nail file or something? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. That was going to be my first, uh, my first suggestion. If you look down at my hands, you'll see that nails are curved and long like talons. 
Oh. That's how I commit my other crimes. Not cutting my nails. <laughs> I'm from a terrible country where cuticle maintenance is deemed as next to godliness. And I hate both cuticles <laughs> and God. I love the devil and ugly curls. <laughs> um, so that's my intro. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode we're watching number 76 on the Shite and Sound list, Grand Illusion. Jean Renoir's story of resilience and class struggle at an inescapable World War I German prisoner of war camp. Our second film this week is Fortress, B-movie body horror master Stuart Gordon's sci-fi prison escape film that mainly seems like an excuse to make some people's stomachs explode. And, and really all parts of people. I mean, we don't get any exploding legs because we get several occurrences of dismembered legs. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's good enough. Yeah. Do we, anyway. <clears throat> so, <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking now that we've been here a few days, I've read some books on how to escape from prison, but... It's weird that they have those in the library here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a double bluff kind of thing. It really seems like it. Well, they... They all have very bad forms of how to escape prison. Most of them are like, ask nicely, or the first step of admitting uh, is to admit to the officers that you're going to escape, and then they'll help you. <clears throat> now I can unspit. <clears throat> Sorry, I've, uh, I, I had a frog in my throat for um, several weeks now. Several weeks. If you had past. a frog in your throat, you'd be speaking with a French accent. Wait, I, but how will people know I am French? <laughs> so, so I've been thinking... Uh, I tried all the books, but they've been less monitoring our film collection here in this prison. Mm. Uh, and they, they, they don't give a shit what we watch, as long as it's uh, R16 or below. <laughs> well, there are a lot of 17-year-olds here. Do you, what is the name of the fucking film we watch? Fortress. What Fortress. was Fortress rated in New Zealand? I mean, I'd be very surprised if it, if it was ever released here. Oh, no, I'm sure it got, like, a video release. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm surely... Okay. NZ rating. Oh, 1992. Land There's so many there. Fortress movies. <laughs> um, It was broadcast on TV in this country. <laughs> God, this fucking country rules. On TV, too. That's <laughs> one of our main... Like, that's a... That's... That's our that's our like main channel. See, this is what this is what you could have, Americans, if you lived in a functioning country. You could see Stuart Gordon's Fortress on just like national TV unedited. I assume it was rated M in Australia, so I yeah yeah we we have the same ratings in Australia like, pretty much all the time. Well, yeah, yeah, but, and that's I think it's like they're harsher than us on on some stuff. Well, yeah, GPG and M, hmm. I think we just take yeah. we just take their ratings. And it's above that. that right. That we yeah. have to do things. Or it's something like that. Yeah. Like there's actual coordination. Um, For like a long time in, in New Zealand, the censors would just copy whatever England and Australia did. 
Yeah, but it's just harder because Australia's system is so makes absolute sense, but does not really transfer onto yeah. any other yeah. uh, system until they introduced 12A, and now it's essentially the American system, but right. with R split into two things. Yeah. Three, they must have something above because there's 15, 12, 15, and 18. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's not interesting. I mean, at all. I mean the one of the that is called the good stuff. This is. <laughs> This is what I've loved about my time so far in this prison. These kind of conversations we can have uh, uh, about about ratings. Now, I have looked, and there are two films in the film collection that deal with prison escapes. Mm. I looked for Shawshank, no Shawshank. No. I looked for The Great Escape, no Great Escape. But while in the G section, I was like, gangster number one, yeah. that's nice. Like, like to see some Paul Bettany flipping out and stabbing people. Um, I like to see the, the, the feature film debut of Paul McGuigan, McGeegan, it doesn't matter. But next to that, number one in the Criterion Collection, our only entry. No, we've got two Criterion Collection films here. It's Grand Illusion and Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that was the joke I was yeah, going to make. I, I, I could tell. Or, or Chasing Amy. <laughs> yeah. we're, just like, we're just such softies here in prison. Um, you really shouldn't yeah. have I always cry at Simon Bob's monologue. <laughs> <laughs> you know which... He only says, "You know what? I, re- I, re- I really am just chasing Amy, guys." You know, he only has that monologue because Jason Mewes was so like strung out on heroin that day. He was like, "All the footage of Jay Mewes in that film that there is is the usable footage because he was just incoherent." Yeah. Poor old Jason Mewes. That's why you don't give people from New Jersey uh, fame or money because they'll just go and do heroin with it. I mean, I I don't think that's no just no that's that's the message. Uh, okay, so Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, Springsteen's done heroin, right? Like yeah. once, yeah. But he seems mainly like a coke guy. I don't, I don't know. He seems like a beer and cigarettes guy, mm. and which to famous people includes cocaine. <laughs> yeah, yeah <no> like, beer. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Succession recently, and it's vastly inflated the amount of people I think do cocaine. <laughs> Um, just it would just be nice to be offered, you know. I I have been offered cocaine. Yep. I, I said no. Yeah, cause, same. Because boring, <laughs> and I don't know. I'm I'm just worried I'd like it. You know, I could see myself really becoming like a John Candy style. <laughs> like, oh, how does that fat man have so much energy? Oh, it's cocaine, and it killed him. Yeah, no, you you'd be like that, like final time if Chris Fire was on Letterman. <laughs> oh. Uh, they don't let us watch you. You're just in your rival. They only let us watch Conan. There is a gr- a great video of Chris Farley coming coming out on Letterman, his like last of it Letterman appearance, and it's it's not one of those things that comes out from backstage. He like he comes out like from a door of a back of a field and like runs through the audience and he's like screaming and high fiving everyone. And then he's like jumping around. He he goes up to one guy who's like a plant and he picks him up and like he's like he gets a guy made like jumping up and down. He picks a guy, puts him over his shoulder, and he runs up to like a stage door and just throws a guy. Through the door, and, <laughs> oh then he go, and then goes and does multiple cartwheels, <laughs> like like perfect cartwheels, and then, and then sits down and then sits down in a chair. I, mm, it's mm, it's incredible. So what you're saying is you've got to learn to do cartwheels. <laughs> I should do cocaine. 
Maybe. Look, I'd say watch watch that video and then uh, look up uh, uh, pictures of uh, uh, of Chris Farley's dead body and see, see if it pros outweigh the cons. Can, can I tell you that I'm never going to do that? I yeah. don't need to see that. Can, can I tell you I wasn't seriously recommending it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in prison. Everything's deadly serious <laughs> in here, trapped in this blasted cage. But no, um, the n- the film I found uh, is is a film that I thought was about magic tricks, but it, it's called the La Grande Illusion, and it's mm-hmm. by uh, Jack <laughs> Jacques Renoir, who is it's I by believe my old pants Renoir, <laughs> old pants Renoir or Jean, yeah, oh. Je- jeans, Je- oh, pants, right. yeah. Um, yeah, it's not 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 my not, not my best work. <laughs> and so I propose that we go away, watch it, and we come back and discuss it, but purely in terms of what it shows us about how to escape from a prison. Much okay, the prison, the prison. Talk about something else. Talk about something else. Uh, crazy crazy weather we're having in this prison. Yeah, uh, why did they build the ceiling so tall that clouds can form? And, uh, I guess it's just to fuck with us. Oh well, it's also because it's a it's a panopticon. Yeah, it's a giant sphere that uh, where our cells dot the outside, <laughs> um, and, and there's just a single orb in the center in which. Um, robotic overlords live who i love the robot overlords are are great (laughs) beep boom (laughs) for for those of you (laughs) okay time dash okay so uh, grand illusion that was was pretty good right i mean i i feel like i just it's pretty harsh i learned quite a lot about myself yeah i think i'm colorblind really yeah i i couldn't see any color in that at all oh okay so i i I think so uh that that movie was actually um you're not as much of a a cineast as i am well yeah that movie was from 1937 (laughs) Uh, which is before they uh before had color in films except sometimes except sometimes they did but but like most films were in were in black and white so your your eyes are actually fine oh wow yeah it's just I, your sense of smell. It's just that here in space, year twenty one twenty, uh, in this panopticon prison, I had never, I just couldn't conceive of media not being in full color, yeah, except you, of course for Mank. <laughs> Why and, are you laughing? And, and the artist as the two was, the, the two movies. No, 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 Man, Mank, the only film from the before times to survive. Isn't it? That we all we, imagine living in a world where yeah, you, it's it's, it's, a, it's about it's about this. This crazy fictional character called Herman Mankiewicz making this crazy fictional film called Citizen Kane. Well, yeah, it, it, it's so interesting watching all of these films that that make reference, like that Mank was so big and powerful that there are now many films that make homage to the fictional film within it. I yeah, it's pretty crazy. So and that's I also- the end of that bit. <laughs> <laughs> I also discovered I have synesthesia, though. Huh. Well, Just like Lord. <laughs> or Richard D. James, a fixed twin. Oh, really? Yeah, well, he he claims a lot of things. Yeah. Um, he, he also claims that his face is like... <laughs> 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 I just like if if you're at home and wondering if he did a very good impression of the Richard D. James face, he didn't. No, well, <laughs> I, I can't pull my face back that far. Well, like the trick is to like aim for De Niro and mess, right? It's like right, but like is that like you got to pull it like real far though. You got to be you got to have like a Jim Carrey face where you can oh, just yeah. sort of like extend it all the way back until it, you look like one of the Cenobites. Um, I mean, a Jim Carrey face, or as I like to call it. 
mask. <laughs> Starring Eric Stoltz. <laughs> um, any who. So, yeah, no, I've got synesthesia because normally when I perceive people talking, uh, I just hear the words. Mm. Um, but in this case, in the case of Grand Illusion, it was strange. It was like I could see the words floating in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to adjust my glasses after I took them off. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's crazy that that happened to you. I, I, I couldn't see any words. I can just speak French. Oh, oh, uh, so, oh, they were speaking in French. Yeah. I thought sometimes they spoke in German. And Very occasionally they, they spoke in German. Oh, yeah. Because they were in a German prisoner of war camp. Oh. Yeah. So, you could tell because all the guards looked real German. Well, they had these very pointy hats with no brim. Yep. Seems, seems impractical. I, well, I mean, have you ever... Maybe it's the rhino in me, but when I get mad, I like to buck my head down and just dash at someone. And if I had a yeah, spike Yeah, that's why you were arms, arrested for killing Spider-Man. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Someone had to do it. Yeah, he's 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 a menace. <laughs> <laughs> I've just spent so much time talking to my good friend Norman Osborne that says that he is going soft on Spider Man yep. simply because his son is friends with Spider Man. Yeah. And I just had to be like, no, it's not it's not 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 a not a good reason. If and that, that that's my opinion. Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> <laughs> and it is like, they're also like, of course, Norman Osborn also had kids with um, uh, Gwen Stacy at some point, or um, or maybe it was Mary Jane. Norman Osborn? Yeah, Norman Osborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're looking at me incredulously am, as am, if nothing I'm, bizarre has ever happened in a comic I mean, book. Like, uh, like every time I end up talking about comics with you, I'm just, <laughs> I end up being so glad that I only read the comics that I read. Yeah. Uh, it was by J. Michael Straczynski, I believe. Uh, Sins Past was the art. Oh. Um, but I just kept, I just says, I said, look, it is your familial connection that you're causing all this havoc, which I love, but there's one major issue in your way, and that is, of course, the spidered man. Um, <laughs> you need to take him out, and if you're not going to do it, me, my, my good friend Doc Ock, and our good friend, uh, um, the uh, Vulture, the, the Vulture. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Black Cat, and uh, Venom and Carnage, who are dating now. Oh, that's nice. I mean, let there be Carnage. Um, that could be the title of like a romance, like, mm, could it? Let there be carnage. I, okay, in Venom 2, let there be carnage. Mm. They are genuinely missing a trick if there is not a point where the two symbiotes at least kiss sarcastically, right? And if it is like, uh, Venom and, and carnage are fighting, but they don't want to be found by, um, the alien cops who will be there, you know, the Nova Corps or whatever. Yeah, when the Guardians of the Galaxy come in. I mean, they, they won't because it's, it's in the Sony bit. No, I'm glad. I, I, I know. But what? I know. Like what? <laughs> look. Look. Finn. Look. <laughs> <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the closest thing we have to, to a modern, modern day mythology. mythology. <laughs> And if you will not take it seriously, I will not take you seriously. And that's why, that's why tonight I am sacrificing <laughs> 17 goats to Captain America. 
please. He's no longer Captain America. He is Buzz Lightyear. But Buzz Lightyear, the oh, real astronaut, oh, and yeah. not the toy. <laughs> that, no, the astronaut, not the toy the astronaut is based on. Yeah, what What was... Fuck. Okay, let me read to you, <laughs> no, Chris no, Evans. No, no, I, I saw that tweet. I, I saw the tweet, and I just I don't want to think about any more Disney movies. Look, buddy, I know we're here alone in prison. In the Disney Panopticon. <laughs> With no one, with no one else listening, and, and I know you've heard about the Buzz Lightyear thing, but if anyone else was listening, because, I do, because this is the year twenty one twenty one, and we're in the Panopticon, I just yeah. I want to repeat Chris Evans' tweet on the subject: <laughs> announcement of Lightyear blasting into theaters June seventeen twenty twenty two. Lightyear is the definitive story. <laughs> I'm so sick of all the incomplete blimmin' stories about Buzz Lightyear. Voiced by at Chris Evans. Get ready to go to, in quotes, infinity and beyond with Lightyear. Uh, and he quoted that with, I don't even have the words, which is factually incorrect, since no, he no. has them and is typing them. Yeah, and he, and he was given the script. He, know, he knows all the words to it. And he replies to his own tweet with, and just to be clear... <laughs> This isn't Buzz Lightyear, the toy. This is the origin story. This ain't your, this ain't your son's Buzz Lightyear. Of the this hu- is your daddy's Buzz Lightyear. Of the human Buzz Lightyear that the toy is based on. Let that sink in. And I just think it would be very funny if some kind of gadfly took that formulation of words and ter- twisted it on its head a bit. Hypothetically, if they were to tweet, and just to be clear, <laughs> this isn't Agira, the Wrath of God. <laughs> this is the origin story <laughs> of the human Agira <laughs> that the Wrath of God <laughs> is based on. That only has one like. Who, who, who was that? Oh, it was uh, Utha Lives. He's very good on Twitter. Only one like, though. Yeah, yeah I've asked him who liked it. Oh, um... Philip Matthews, the uh, Christchurch-based uh, journalist and um, movie reporter. Okay, I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't me who liked that, because that's a good tweet. Uh, he wrote the Funny Airs book, which is the history of uh, New Zealand comedy, which oh. I presume you're mentioned in. I've seen it on the bookshelf of one of my friends' houses. Well, someone would have told you if you you're mentioned in it. I'm not mentioned in it. your theatre company was <laughs> mentioned. It must be, like a history of New Zealand comedy would mention your, like... They'd have to mention my legendary meltdown of a... <laughs> The 2017 Raw final. Oh right, right. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I thought you were talking about my meltdown. No, I was. I didn't have meltdown. No, I just didn't do talk about my meltdown. Um, but well, that, that's weird that you were left out. Yeah. I wouldn't know what that feels like. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're now half an hour into this podcast. Let's start talking about the movies. Um. Oh yeah the the grand illusion the, the big grand illusion. illusion. So so we 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 clarified it is in black and white. So it was not supposed to be color. <laughs> And uh, I don't know what those words you're seeing on the screen are. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but it's, I can't see words elsewhere. <laughs> can't believe- okay. <clears throat> so this is Jean Renoir. Yeah. I know much of uh, his work, anything about him that would help us escape a prison. I mean, Grand Illusion kind of feels like his big thing to me, even though there are a couple of other of his works yeah. on, on the list. What list am I talking about? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who can tell? <laughs> Who can tell? 
<laughs> um, I don't know why I found that especially funny. I'm just, do you have any re- Renoir input? No. no? Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how to have any Renoir input inside this bit. If we were talking, if we were talking about it outside the bit, then yeah, I could, I could talk. No, no, it's fine. We can, we've got, we've got some time. It's the lunch hour. We know it's a couple of days before we've got to make our tent. We can, it's free to chat about anything. Well, I talked about that funny as, but while we were here in prison. <laughs> yeah, you certainly did. Yeah, no. So, Jean Renoir. <laughs> yeah. Great French filmmaker. Yeah, he's a good one. This is the second of three films of his that are on the Sight and Sound list. Yeah, the only bit of that that I disagree with is like Day in the Country isn't really a film. Sure, it but, is, but it's on the list. Oh, yeah, it's on, it's on the list. Yeah. And it's not the film I have the biggest issue with being on the list. Mm. Chinatown. Oh, Chinatown, yeah. <laughs> um, and Crash. Oh. <laughs> I just had the idea, like genuinely the idea of it being on the list, sh- shook me. Because <laughs> that's like the kind of, like, that isn't, I'm pretty sure it's in a thousand one films you must see before you die. Sure, but like, I'm, I'm like, probably, probably like every movie that's one best picture is on that list. Oh, surely not. Maybe. Yeah. That seems like the kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. um, but yeah, this is like, he kind of has two biggie films. Yes. There's Rules of the Game and Grand Illusion. And he made a bunch of other films. He made The River. He made French Can Can, of yep. course. Um, my favorite of his titles. Yeah. Fr- French Can Can, a movie I only know from. There is another movie called The Last Movie Theater or something. And it's about a, uh, about a French man who, uh, uh, who owns a movie theater, which only seems to be showing French Can Can. And then every night uh, he goes out and uh, murders women and cuts their faces off. I mean, hangs them on the wall in his, uh, in his basement. Is that what you're in for? Uh no no it's t- t- totally I- I'm 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 in here for attempting to kill the Spider Man. <laughs> That's right. You you're in here for succeeding at killing the Spider Man. <laughs> While angles are being shot down. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. We established at the beginning. Yeah, which like I- I'm 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 surprised your plane even got off the ground. <laughs> Because you're a big rhino man. Oh, right. You're a heavy guy. I know. I understand. I was, um, uh, my puzzlement was like, which bit of the fiction <laughs> interferes with flying the plane? Have I said that I wear lead You boots? take up a lot of space. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm played by, um, what's his name from Sideways? Paul Giamatti. Oh, oh right. Paul Giamatti. Yeah, remember in Amazing Spider-Man 2? That yeah. film I was heavily see, advertised as appearing see, I, in? I was thinking of the other person from Sideways who played a Spider-Man villain. It was uh, Thomas yeah. Hayden Church as <laughs> the S ampersand man. There's a different movie called... Sandman, which is spelled S Amber Sandman, was like a found footage horror movie. I haven't seen or heard it's good. But of course, my favorite superhero who appeared in Sideways mm-hmm. is uh, Virginia Madsen for her turn in The Haunting in Connecticut. Uh, I don't know who else was in Sideways. The, uh, Virginia Madsen and Sandra O. Oh. Sandra right. O oh from Hard Candy and being the ultimate disaster movie. <laughs> Oh, of course. Big Fat Liar. Ramona and Beezus. Mulan 2. Ramona and Beezus sounds like something. It's, it's, one of, it's one of the great movie titles. <laughs> well, it is, it is definitely a name that someone said while panicking at gunpoint. <laughs> God fucking damn you. We will name this film or I'll break your legs. <laughs> Ramona and Beezus. <laughs> Ramona and Beezus. Jordan knows something pretty crazy about Ramona and Beezus. Always. (laughs) 
Sandra O. Oh, yeah. Josh Lucius. Jennifer Goodwin. Yeah. Bidrit Bidrit Moynihan. That's her name. Bidrit, yeah. John Corbett. But do you know who Ramona and Beezus are? Uh like y- yes, but also I've forgotten. <laughs> Selena Gomez and Joey King. Right, right yeah, yeah. No, I, I was gonna say Selena Gomez, but I have almost no knowledge of who Joey King is. So my thing about Renoir <laughs> Uh, is that it is quite difficult. Uh, like his, and like the grand illusion is this writ large, which is that there is kind of the whole idea of classy French film is this, yeah, and, and is what he does, and is these like meticulous frames and this painterly black and whiteness, which I now understand is uh, intention. <laughs> It's not just your failing optic nerve, no. sadly. Oh. The only failing optic nerve I've got is not reading enough Adrian Tomine. So, Renoir, and it is, it's kind of, it feels like so much of what the Nouvelle Vague was pushing against was kind of not necessarily encapsulated, but represented by Renoir, you know? Like yeah. the, the look, the stateliness of it, the kind of semi-theatrical dialogue, the over-explaining, the amount of shoe leather. Yeah, I feel like they weren't pushing against Re- Renoir so much as like all the people who think that like Renoir is the only way to make a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they liked Renoir, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. They probably, they called him an auteur, right? Yeah. The very fact, in a way that almost supersedes even like Citizen Kane or Indiana Jones of these works that become so iconic, it's kind of hard to engage with them. Mm. But it is like, even beyond the story, like the very fact of the grand illusion, <laughs> the very fact that it is the number one in the Criterion collection yeah. on this list. Renoir's biggest French language film because Rules of the Game was in English, wasn't it? No. No, I don't, no. I, I don't think so. Oh, damn. Anyway, we'll see, right? Yeah, <laughs> yep. we'll, 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 well, find, he... we'll, we'll find out in like 30-something episodes. I thought that was his good English language film. Okay. He did... No, I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm wrong. Um, but uh, And also like the themes it plays with, like even down to the fact that like <laughs> when Germany invaded France, Goebbels stole a copy of this. And so it has become this kind of bizarrely totemic item, and I find it that that really hard to engage with, and that's why I, I struggled to find much information in it on how to break out of this prison. Yeah. Well, and there are two prisons in it, which is yes. the most interesting. Yeah, there are two different prison escape attempts shown in the film. Yeah. It takes place in two different prisons. Oh, yeah. we, we should talk about who the characters are first. Yeah. So, Stuh. Yeah, most of them are French. We've got we've got two main dudes at the beginning. Yeah. We've got Lieutenant Marichal, mm-hmm. who's played by Jean Gibbon. Mm-hmm. He's a guy from the lower classes who, who's like risen up a ranks. He's now an officer. Uh, and then we have Captain de Baudou, uh, who is, who, who's an aristocrat. Yeah, he's he's, he's a fancy man. Yeah, his his cousin was the like, French military attaché in Germany b- before the First World War. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, Marshall is very much like he's a working class guy who's worked his way up from yeah. nothing. And then there's Lieutenant Rosenthal, who is uh, the nouveau riche, the new middle class always happy and laughing and always eating that famous cliche about the middle class um and it is like they uh, uh um marshall and the captain debaldu yeah i don't i don't want to try and pronounce that debaldu yeah debaldu who is uh, pre- 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 not pronounced, who is pre- uh, performed by Pierre Frenet. Yeah. I just said that, right? Yeah. And uh, Marcel 
de leo is is rosenthal um are kind of our three core characters eric mm. von stroheim of being a bit greedy fame um uh, yeah so this is, this is now our, our our it's now our our third film with, with, with eric von stroheim either either in it or directing it i and i have seeing him in this he, where he has this kind of iconic neck brace yeah uh seems just barely strapped together this subjurating malevolent but caring mass of humanity it is genuinely a mistake that he was not Baron Harkonnen in David Lynch's <laughs> Dune. Um, he was possibly dead I, by then. Von Stroheim had like been in movies since like the nineteen tens. Um, but he is Von. Von Stroheim died in nineteen fifty seven. Anyway, we we meet Von Stroheim's character, Captain Von Raffenstein. Um, early in the film, when he shoots down two planes, yeah, uh, um, to he shoots down a French reconnaissance plane which has Dibaldu and Marichal in it, yeah. and because of their officers, uh, he he invites them to dinner, and they they all have a little sit down together. Immediately, you're like, oh, okay, this is this film's idea of war. It's rich men and and, and aristocrats just like shooting each other down, and like, oh, jolly good sport. Let's let's yeah. have some tea. Good fun. Yeah. Um, uh, and, they don't do it in British no. accents. But like that's the that's that's the fancy accent. Twenty something episodes ago, we watched for Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, which is a movie that is like very similar in in a lot of ways. But I think at the beginning of of Grand Illusion, it seems like Colonel Blimp is making fun of this sort of movie. But I think as as Grand Illusion goes on, I think it it reveals that it it it, is, it has like a much more complicated view of the of the like class structures and well, and how they relate to like warfare. Well, in like the two different prisoner of war camps, the two different prisons, which like they're in one for the first half of the film, then they're in a different yeah. one for the second half of the film, pretty squarely yeah. exist kind of to set up and then subvert that idea because they're they're taken off to this prisoner of war camp which is like you know they have to be in military outfit at all time and a guy tries to run away and is shot yeah but, but, but they but, essentially throw themselves dinner parties there's this big dinner scene which is where the class stuff the, the as opposed to establishing the aristocratic nature of how war is going on hmm. where is where it's really unpacked that's where they where we meet rosenthal who we should also flag is uh the frenchest man no no ever. no 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 he, he's not a really french one who's the really french that's a guy who's the actor oh right rosenfall's thing is that his family is like nouveau riche and yeah. also and also jewish yeah and and that, and that like kind of brings him into conflict with, with some of the other people like to to to, to various extents um but yeah at, at this at this hilarious dinner um they they talk a lot about how the different classes eat this is where we establish that the middle class eats a lot yep. um which is just not a stereotype i was aware of but like as a middle class person i i have to own it it's part of why i can't fly those planes <laughs> Um, it's also because they just won't start. That's right. I'm perpetually stuck in the final scene of Allied. Oh, look, it's my wife. Hope she's not a Nazi spy. Allied. It's okay. Check it out. No, not 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 as best, not as worst. I mean, <laughs> Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, I mean, when you've got highs as high, like. When you're Robert Zemeckis, you are in a very odd position yeah. of never making, like, once you've made both Forrest Gump, Back to the Future, and Contact, 
it is very easy to make yeah. films with neither your best nor worst. To be clear, I think Contact is his best film and understand the arguments for Back to the Future mm. um, and Back to the Future too. What about the Cowboy one? I mean, yeah. It's, it's got ZZ Top in it. It's certainly... Or ZZ Top. <laughs> As we call them in New Zealand, okay. as we all insist on calling them, well, and just, just just to resist American, like just to resist American cultural imperialism. But but ZZ Top is a different band, and we shortened their name to Zed, and they became quite popular with the song "Renegade Fighter," a song I have sung on previous episodes yes, of this podcast. Um, uh, I'm sorry, not a podcast, private conversation between us prisoners in a prison, among because they're in this kind of dormitory that that that's almost like uh, the the bunk room at a joyous public school where they can hang out they have dinner parties they're doing a, they're attempting to dig a tunnel which they have various kind of slightly chitty chitty bang bang ways of like getting air to people you pull on a can to signal alarm yeah you're like in the first scene where we see the tunnel that they are digging under their room the guy whose name we don't remember but who is like the 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 Frenchest of them all yeah uh, it, it's it's his turn to go down into the, into the tunnel and dig and their method is he's got like a can that he uses to scrape out dirt. Yeah, Cartier and, is. His oh, name. Cartier, yes. Julian Cadet as right. Cartier. The Frenchest man in the world. We're, we're going to get to how French this fucking dude is. <laughs> but um, he's digging with a can and he's, he's got a rope tied around his leg so they can pull him out. And uh, uh, he's also got a piece of string. That string is tied to a can, which is on a shelf back in back in the room. And if he pull, and if, if he is suffocating, he's supposed to pull on the string, and the can will fall down. Yeah. And then they can pull him out. But uh, like a bunch of regular fools, <laughs> yeah. they decide to put a pillow right under where the can would fall, and uh, and they're all just facing the other way. And so uh, when he begins to suffocate, admittedly, that's when someone is shot trying to escape. And so, sure. so, so they're all like, what happened? They send someone out to investigate. So they are distracted by something that is worthy of being distracted by. Sure, but like, why do they put the pillow there? Yeah, okay. But it, it does not seem to work. But And then there, it is this interesting scene because he has been so set up as the comic relief. Yeah. He is, oh, would you like some poisson? He's so French. He's constantly making he, he's terrible doing, jokes. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing all these, like, but don't make any sense he's doing little dances and he's breaking into song like there, there, there is a scene where they mention someone's brother and he, he literally starts singing Frere Jacques while, while stuffing like foie gras into his mouth yep. <laughs> um, and his jokes are all just rhymes they're yeah. all like oh I want a feature feature leech and yeah, they're all like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a scene where someone says leech and he just starts going screech teach meech <laughs> And, yep. and, 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 and then Diebel do is like, is that supposed to be witty? And he's like, <laughs> um, and yeah, at one point I turned towards you and said like this, before every scene, Jean Renoir went up to the factor and said, I need you to do it more French than the previous scene. And he yeah. was like, it's simply impossible. Yeah. And, and then, and then, the, 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 and then like that, I mean, like from that scene, it cut to a new scene where he's now wearing a beret and doing a little <laughs> dance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is it's it's all a bit jolly hockey sticks they're kind of allowed to get away with a lot of stuff their yeah. room is not searched regularly this is because they're french officers war is still about being gentlemen to each other well and we see them walk past uh the camp that is used for the rest for everyone yeah. else for the rank and file and uh it looks a lot less nice <laughs> 
And it was interesting that Renoir included that because I thought he was just wanted us just to have a happy, fun time. But, nope. but then I felt sad. So I'm going to have to go ding and make a cinema soon because <laughs> uh, I, uh, I don't think you, he You can't have conflicting do... emotions in a film. Wow. I, I, yeah. It's an automatic failing grade. And so they're, they're going to put on a show for, for everyone yeah. in, in, uh, in and, the camp. Uh, and, and so there's, uh, they get a big announcement that uh, the shipments of clothes are coming. One of them is a, sh- cl- a shipment of entirely women's clothes. Yep. So we get a good scene of just a bunch of men just, just obsessively just, just standing over a giant wicker basket of like dresses and corsets, just all touching them and being like, oh, what I wouldn't do to see a woman. Like, it's it's a scene from a lighthouse where it's like, if I had a steak, I'd fuck it. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I'm in Walmart and I see a turkey that's just so <laughs> tender and, and juicy. Oh. Um, uh, if you want to see the worst image ever, Go to insane people Twitter and no, it, actually it, it, do not. We uh, cannot yeah. mention this. It's a, it's a great Twitter account called Insane People Tweets. <laughs> it's it's uh, very upsetting. Uh, it, it is it's it's not safe for anything. <laughs> yeah, I like. But like, but like, actually, like, r- like, really, really, it would be banned in Australia. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like the fifty cent get rich or die trying game. But there's this oddly like a touching moment. <laughs> It's just what a weird pull. Uh, I I have a very strong memory of that game being banned in Australia. Right, well, because the thing I remember being banned in Australia is uh, the comic book From Hell. Oh, yeah. Um, which, but and the artist lives in Australia, so technically, by making it, he was committing a crime, and he could not own copies of his own work in Australia. From Hell, the highly regarded source material for the even more highly regarded Jonathan Depp film From Hell. <laughs> It's good. Check it out. Mm-hmm. To be clear, the, the, the comic, the, comic, not the Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell comic, not the Jonathan Depp, Ian Holm, Heather Graham joint. Oh, it's Heather Graham, right? Yeah, I was trying, I was trying to remember who, 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 who the woman is in that. The woman? The woman. Um, <laughs> but there's this oddly touching point where one of them uh, goes off to get dressed up as a woman for the show. Yeah, they're all like arguing over who's the biggest twink. And uh, yeah, I mean, like who's almost gonna, in those words. Like basically, yeah, like, like who, who's going to wear the dress? Of- and one of them was like, "Oh no, you you're closely shaven enough." Oh no, you're 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 too big. Uh, I mean, uh, I think the one who they send off to, to to get dressed is called like Angel Face. They send him off with a dress, and then they all keep talking. And he he comes out of the the, the changing room, and everyone in the room, just all, all like twenty five or thirty men in the room. Or just like instantly stop talking and stop working and just turn around and look at him and there was just like silence for a good like twenty seconds and the 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 only thing that anyone is saying is is this guy Angel Face just being like it looks pretty silly doesn't it, it looks pretty silly and then it just cuts to all all of these men just staring at him being like <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and it, it's it's an incredible moment you yeah. know I'm really beginning to think that uh, and it's also like not played for laughs. No. Which is, this is a French movie from the 30s, and there was a scene where a, man, where, a, where a man is dressed as a woman and a bunch of other men are attracted to him, and it's not a joke. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, it's true, and it technically, I think, I mean, it's slightly after the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race. We all forget how old <laughs> Bibi Zahara Benet is, the, the winner of the first season. And Victoria Porkchop Parker, the, the first person you ever sent home, the Porkchop. And, and so I'm, like, I'm looking forward to 
to this big show they're going to put on and that kind of soothes my soul because so much of their escape attempt at this point is it's them using resources that we don't have we can't just hide cans they search our rooms um there's the constant laser scans of our minds for plans of escape um we're not able to simply charm guards or create uh, comic distractions no no because the person in charge of our particular panopticon is of course robot kurt smith yeah and uh he's not enjoying any of our hilarious japes yeah and just to anyone who's transcribing this episode robot kurtwood smith both o's and kurtwood um are zeros yes uh he is the he's kurt kurt w the zero zero d model under the designation smith yes um and his head can rotate 360 degrees but uh horizontally (laughs) (laughs) no sorry (laughs) vertically like how they did um as if it'd be Brox's head in the film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Rotate like kind of like a broken Pez dispenser. Hey, Sam Rockwell. Good job, man. Yeah, it's a good film. It's, it's a good film. It's a, it's a really good performance from Sam Rockwell. I mean, there are mostly good performances in that. Yeah. Most deaf. Yeah. Anyway, we don't get much entertainment here in prison. So I was looking forward to seeing these guys put on a show. There's songs, there's dances, there's whole, there's like lines of chorus men in drag as chorus girls. Yep. Um, uh, it's kind of heartening and, and fun and light. And everyone kind of gets a little moment within it to, to show off or to react. Yeah, and most of what we see of it is just the actor, character, Cartier, uh, doing uh, doing another one of his little dances while, while singing a song about a girl called Marguerite because it's a French movie. Yeah, of course. And there's lots of very beautiful shots from like behind him of him as almost this just this silhouette dancing and all these attendant faces yeah, looking I mean, at this, him. Yeah, and just this like giant like long hall behind him. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, this Jean Renoir, I mean, he doesn't know how to escape a prison, <laughs> but he knows how to shoot. Well, and like you look at that and you go like, yeah, I do kind of understand how this feels so. It's almost the Fincher thing where it is like you have made the meticulous version of this so well that all you can want to do in response is to rebel against it and be like, yeah. no, this is too perfect. Fuck you. This is too symmetrical. Yeah. The frame, like every framing in this, like, uh, uh, the thing I noticed this time about, uh, with this, this is my first time seeing the film. I've seen other Renoir though. Yeah. Uh, is how good he is at blocking and that there are, there are a lot of people like kind of swapping points within a, a mid shot frame, but at every point of every transaction, it's all perfectly and seamlessly balanced. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it's incredible. It is. It, it's real. Every frame is a painting business, um, um, and we can take that name now that they've stopped making videos. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to every shite is a sounding. Oh, that, that, that's right. I forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> uh, my real non-prison name is Youth the Shite. Well, what is your name? My name is Doctor Otto Octavius. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm the I'm oh, Youth yeah. the Shite, and I can try. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Finn Sound Nicholas. It's good. It's good to get that in yep. just I'm, on the hour mark. Yep. Oh, is that only an hour? <laughs> only an hour. Oh, Do you think we're, we're doing great? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think we're doing quite well. Um, but then, um, oh, we have heard at some point earlier in the film that a local town or fort has been taken over uh, yeah. Verdun, Dormont, yeah. uh, by the Germans. Yeah, there's one like French uh, fortress, which both the French and German armies want, and they keep like taking it and retaking it from each other, 
and each time one side takes it, uh, like those particular people at the camp start like celebrating. Yeah, and, and, and uh, at the end of the show, or while the show is winding down, Marichal runs in with a newspaper. Uh, yes, and the thing is, it, it's the like German propaganda newspaper, yeah. and so it's like e- even the Germans are admitting yeah, yeah. that the French have taken this like strategic position again. Yeah, and so suddenly the 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 the, the like band of of uh, the, the like prison inmates in the orchestra they start playing La Marseillaise. And everyone sings. Yeah, and you're and you're just watching like they stole this from Casablanca. Yeah, or um, a, a, a story told in the back story of Allied. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Allied. It's okay. Check out Marion Cotillard. She's yeah, good. she's a she's a nine eleven trooper. She. She's some sort of conspiracy theorist, Lumpy which, which is Jet Steel doesn't. Uh, I, I, I think uh, I, I think she believes in the like New World Order or like a, like a Rothschild conspiracy or something. I mean, of conspiracies to believe in, those are the ones that are the closest to being true. Mm. Not like I do not think any of the details of those. No, are true. no. What you just said <laughs> is you think that the Rothschild conspiracy is true. No, uh, you think that one Jewish banking family has been secretly controlling the world for hundreds of years. But I do think that there are a cabal of rich people who control a lot of decisions. You're sure, but it's not secret. We, we see them do it. Yeah, <laughs> the- yeah. They're called the Deus Group. They're the major antagonists <laughs> of the TV show Mr. Robot. Check it out. Um, it's very good. Oh, very cool. Like Elon Musk, and he posts, he posts about all the shit he's doing on fucking Twitter. Yeah. I mean... There are people who are richer than Elon Musk, who are so rich that they are aware that they shouldn't be on social media. Even though, isn't he at this point because of stock the richest person in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elon's the richest. I mean, Jeff Bezos is number two. Oh, I mean, sad for Bezos. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a real, a real loss. I just think he never, he never wins out. No, he never even had a shot. You know, he could have been a contender. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. That was my reference to Australian alternative metal band of a Mark of Cain and their song The Contender from the 1994 album Ill at Ease, produced by Henry Rollins. Great album. Go check it out. Um, so Grand Illusion. But then Marachal, after telling everyone um, about the fort, is thrown into solitary confinement. I'm like, yes, great. That's a lot like how we are. He has a long scene uh, where a guard comes in and is like, how are you doing? And he's like, I am losing my mind. Well, there's, there's, there's a bit before that where, where, where he, he is, he's sitting on his bed and he's like trying to dig a hole in the wall with, with a spoon yeah. and a guard comes in and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm digging a hole in the wall. And he's like, go have a look at the hole. And the guard bends down to look at the hole and he pushes him into the wall and then tries to, <laughs> tries to run out. Yeah, um, and we've all been there. And yep. Speaking as prisoners, that yeah, I, 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 well. I, I that, that's not my preferred tactic. When I do that, I don't run out after I push the garden to the wall. Uh, I, I make him, uh, I take off all my clothes and make him cover me in Vaseline. Uh, <laughs> so when all the other guards come in, I can fight them more effectively. <laughs> okay, I like your take on Bronson, which adds the fact that he's making other people cover him in Vaseline. No, he does that. He gets, he gets, and it's the scene where he kidnaps a guard and makes him cover him in like butter or whatever. I thought it was, no, I thought he kidnaps a guard to get him Vaseline, but then he Vaselines himself. I, I, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he makes the guard do it for him. I mean, I do... Or th- maybe they work together. I do think the best way they can make a sequel to Venom is just take the film Bronson yeah. and CGI Venom <laughs> over Tom Hardy. 
Uh, check it out uh, from uh, the director of Pusher and Pusher Two and Pusher Three and the Neon Demon. Yeah, and uh, 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 and and Bleeder and Fear X and Nicholas Wingdings Reffin. Yeah, um, I, I've got to tell you, as a synesthetic, seeing that name <laughs> is very confusing and very hard to read. Mm. It's like when someone has the Shinigami eyes because they're a Death Note user and they cannot see the the their own time of death above above their head because obviously. But it's a good way to learn people's <laughs> names so you can write them in the fucking Death Note. Why are you laughing? How else would you find out someone's name to put it in the Death Note? I've I've, ne- I've never I've never seen Death Note. Okay, so if the people who use a death note can no longer go to heaven or hell, that's the first thing you need to understand. And you have to know someone's face and their name and be thinking of them when you write their name. Mm. Then you have 40 seconds to um, write a cause of death. Or um, if you keep writing, you have 444 seconds, I believe. Um, but if you don't write anything, their heart will just stop after 40 seconds. Right. Yeah. Um, Shinigami, who you can see, who the Death Note's owner, um, uh, love apples. And that doesn't seem like a major thing, but it does mean mm. a lot of the time people around you will see floating apples being eaten. And that's a real problem. And of course, but if you... If you get in a real stuck situation, what you've got to do is remember that if you give up ownership of a death note, you forget all your time with it. It's the perfect way out. Um, If, for instance, your father is leaving, leading the crime task force to investigate Kira. Um, who is the person doing all the de- the killings uh, across the world? Oh. It, it's good. Death Note. It's good. So he's in solitary. He's, he's in solitary. And there was this moment uh, that I really relate to as a prisoner, which is that he's just losing his mind, being like, "I have not seen people. I no, have I've not, not seen daylight. I've not seen daylight. I wish I could hear people speak French." Uh, and the guard is like, Here, "Just have a harmonica and some cigarettes." Yeah, and, and, and the 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 the. the the, and the guard knows like a little bit of French and like, like like does what he can to like to to talk to him in French for 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 like a little bit. And then after a while, he's let out. Yes. Um, and he finds that they're almost done mm. with digging the escape tunnel. Um, but just before it's finished, they're transferred to another camp. Yeah. Uh, and, and as they're being lined up to transfer, they're like, "Oh, these new people are being brought in. Um, we should go tell them." And so a guy drops his bag. And Marshall runs over and is like, in French, says, we've been digging, digging a tunnel in this room. Uh, check it out. It might help you. And the yeah. guy's like... It turns out the guy's an English officer and he's like, well, I have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. I don't speak French, sir. Oh, thank you very much for helping me. I don't speak French. Well, I don't I don't speak any French. Well, and that's a problem I've faced a lot as I frequently tried to tell people about holes I've dug when being transferred between rooms in this yeah. panopticon. But a lot of people here only speak binary because it's... It's 2121, yeah. of course, and, and everyone is, everyone's just too busy on their head chips. In my day, but, but like, all, but like also, phones. everyone knows about those tunnels you'll be doing because we can see the dust on your horn. <laughs> Look, that is dandruff. <laughs> it's horndruff. <laughs> it is horndruff. I. I don't know why they won't take the suit off me, but using the horn to drill out has been very effective to me. I don't yeah. know how they haven't seen it. Oh, no, that does explain why they keep moving me yeah. between rooms. And every time they sit me down in, in a little cubicle and put on um, a video 
called uh, digging holes out of this panopticon and you, colon, stop doing it or you'll be executed. But I don't know what they're trying to tell me by showing me that video. Uh, it's presented by Kirsty Alley. She's like, hey, you may remember me from Cheers in Scientology. Um, look, buddy, we hear you're using your rhino horn <laughs> to dig holes in the panopticon. Um, please stop it or we'll have to kill you. Yeah, I like how nice they are in this prison. I just wish I could remember my family's faces. But okay, so they move to another prison. And th- this this <laughs> prison is a real fortress. Yeah. Um, and they say the word fortress. Yep. So that means uh that th- this that means that uh, th- this this double bill works. And this is where the the two <clears throat> uh Baudelaire no. Dibble do. Dibble do. And, and Masha are uh, uh, the two people moved from the camp. Yeah. Uh, and and um, Rosenthal had disappeared while he was in Complete the Thought Brain solitary. And when they arrive at the new fortress, Rosenthal is already there. So no. he knows a bit of lay of the land. No, that's not true. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, he, he, uh, he, he was transferred to, to, to a different prison than, than, than them. And then uh, after like a few months of him being there, uh, he he is also transferred to that prison. I thought he was already in the new prison. I, I don't believe so, no. Anyway. Like, they, 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 they get like a telegram at one point. One of the guards runs in and is like, hey, your friend from the other camp's coming here. Anyway, uh, yeah. but they're, they're reunited. Uh, Rosenthal shares a food parcel he receives with them. Mm. They're like, oh, maybe this is like the old days. Uh, but uh, it's it's not. Uh, no. Thing, things are bad. Um, this, this place is a giant castle on a on a hill. It is like a 200-foot drop down, down the sides. Yeah. The, the floors are all made of stone. It's just stone all the way down. You can't dig out of here. They're searched like once a day. Yeah. Like... Uh, it's it's like things are actually hard and i was like now this is the scenario i need to learn from to escape from this but the 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 thing that is different about this prison or the other thing that's different about this prison is that it is run by eric von stroheim who they met and who befriended uh, captain de will do at the beginning of the film he was a captain now he's a major right von rothenstein um, and he he takes Marichal, uh, uh aside and is like, I won't have them search you. We're aristocrats. No, no, Dibble do not 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 Marichal. Oh yes, sorry. He takes the aristocrat aside. Yeah. Who is Dibble do? Um, and is like, look, we're aristocrats. I won't have them search the room you're in. I'll yeah, have it, the word. It, the word of an aristocrat yeah. is good. Um, but let's face it. This war, pretty much the end for us having such a good time. Uh, and I don't think that's great. And Eric von Stroheim does this uh, incredible performance of of, uh, of, a, of a tyrant with a heart, mm. but who you almost, you never feel sympathy for later. Uh, there There's a man running away from him and he's like, hold, hold, I really don't want to shoot you. Can we please just talk about this? And you're like, oh, fuck you and your conscience. Fuck you trying to do the right thing. Uh, and then he shoots the guy. And it's the only moment of violence in this war film. Yep. So it's a real um, uh, Colonel Blimp thing. Yep. Uh, is Colonel Blimp just this in color? Yeah. So, yep. Sort of. No, yeah. no, I think the whole film is identical, but in, but in color. Well, you wouldn't be able to tell if Colonel Blimp was in color. No, oh, I, oh, no, no. We, we established that you're not colorblind. I'm synesthetic. Yeah. Um, which means I'm synesthesia, but due to a chip put in my head, I'm synesthetic. I thought that's what it was called when, when a hot person has synesthesia. They're synesthetic. 
um no that's just sin is thick <laughs> i like when i make you laugh and you look embarrassed yeah. <laughs> when you're like i hate that um and, but a shipment arrives uh from the baroness of, no the the empress of russia the, the empress of russia because they're, they're, like, they're, they're, they're also a bunch of russian prisoners in this fortress yeah they get shipped from the empress and we're like it's gonna be fucking vodka we're gonna it's get gonna be caviar and vodka we're, 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 all right yeah we're, we're gonna get Fucked up on fish eggs and potato water tonight. <laughs> yeah. And and they 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 invite uh, Rosenfall and and Devil Do and Marshall along to to like to see the opening of this of this big crate. And everyone's excited. They open it and it's full of books. <gasps> it's like algebra, introduction to ethics. Like the, yeah, the Empress thinks that these soldiers are real fucking idiots. Um, Which they, they they probably are, and, and of They're course, all Russian peasants in they the nineteen teens do the standard sane thing that all Russians would do in that situation, which is immediately set it on fire. And like this is a big box of books, and as everyone, it's also uh, conveniently filled with hay as well. And I think, like, as someone who's tried to escape from prison many times, I've never thought about causing a distraction by getting Russians to burn a box of books. Yeah. So um, I think we should go and try that. Uh, I, are, are, there, are there any Russians in this prison? Um, yeah, I'll, ju- I'll just... Hey, hey, are there any Russians here? Da! Da! Нет. <laughs> Duh. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just. I just want to try something. Be right back. Time dash. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. I just got beat up by a bunch of Russians for trying to burn a book, and it was not pretty. I got out my copy of Capital, uh, and said, "This. Let's burn this." <laughs> And they were like, "Niet," as you said. You want to go try again with this copy of the Cyrillic alphabet for dummies? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll cut. <laughs> uh, okay, time dash. Uh, I've got terrible news for you, Otto. <laughs> my my limbs are all broken oh, now. Oh no! They thought I was calling them a dummy when actually I was calling them dummies for not starting a fire, which is a crucial <laughs> part of your plan. But I guess what I've learned is that starting at because what uh, what the people in Grand Illusion take away is that oh, a distraction big enough will get them out of there. And what I've discovered is the Russians don't like to burn books as much as they used no. to. Not Which ever there very any Germans here. Not not ever since um, ruling AI uh, <laughs> Vladimir Putin. But the I in Putin is a one. He is the put AI one in. Uh, uh, name code uh, Vladimir uploaded to a computer like in Fortress so Kurtwood Smith can watch him yeah that's what he does up in that orb but any who um and so they're like what we need a big enough distraction and we could get out of this joint what's the biggest most most distracting thing should we uh, uh, shoot a bunch of guns off should we uh, lay off some fireworks should we uh, stage uh, 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 stage a a faked uh, mass suicide? Should we uh, put on? Uh, should we uh, do a live reading of every German's favorite book, Die Blechtrommel? <laughs> no, uh, should we uh, drink from champagne flutes? And then one says, "No, no, no, say that again." We'll drink from, from champagne, champagne flutes. flutes. And he goes, "Flutes." Yeah, I mean, it like zooms into his brain, <laughs> and you see all the synapses firing, okay. and then it zooms out, and he's Hugh Laurie in house, and you're like, "I know what we're doing." And then it cuts to black, and it's his flute testic four on the screen. <laughs> um, uh, 
um, and so everyone in the whole place just starts playing the flute. Yeah, but not but not really. They seem to be like penny whistles, not yeah. like proper flutes like you'd see in an orchestra. I mean, I thought for a while they were recorders, but they're not recorders. No, I, I think they sound nice. Yeah, I, I think they're using flute in like a colloquial sense uh, rather right. than a like orchestral flute. Well, um, because <laughs> because we're all like running around and we're like, we're like kind of be like little like straws are holding up to their mouths. And so like people fucking running around the forest talking to animals. And so von Stroheim is like, get all of those. It's actually it's 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 his second in command who does that. Who who's like a shithead. He gets them to collect all the flutes, and then they're like, okay. Now we'll wait 15 minutes and then start banging pots and pans, Uh, making animal noises, grinding our teeth really loud. But one guy was clearly like, okay, you're all going to drum pots and pans. Can I play a pot like a guitar? And Jean Renoir said, you go for it, buddy. You're my favorite extra. (laughs) And he was like, really? So you'll give me a line? And then Renoir uh, laughed and said, just imagine. (laughs) That's not what extras are for, fucko. (laughs) (laughs) And then Lean Gant stared right in his face and said, why are you making eye contact with me? Jean the Black. (laughs) Jean Renoir, you know I could end you in but an instant. (laughs) And then he whispered a word in that extra's ear that removed his his memory. Hair, and his hair moment. turned white like Leland Palmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, just <laughs> and, just, uh, and so while um, the 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 guards are once again getting all the pots and pans, our three protesters. Well, no, after they get all of the pots and pans, the prisoners are like called down into the yard for a prisoner roll call, and uh, we see that Rosenthal has like a bunch of rope that they've made wrapped around him, yep. and Marischal has uh, uh, he's got like a bag with with like supplies in it, yeah, and uh, and 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 we also see. That that Dibaldu is staying behind. Yeah. He's not. He's not coming down to the roll call, even though it's mandatory. Yeah, and uh, him, him, and Marichal have have his final scene together, where, where Marichal wants to say goodbye, but Dibaldu like won't let him. Well, yeah, and it's very... because of the implications. <laughs> well, and so much of um, what they. <laughs> <laughs> Always Sunny has really ruined the I, phrase yeah. because of the implication. <laughs> anyway, but also Marcel and Dibaldu have been sharing Marichal. Marichal. Marcel and Dibber. <laughs> the aristocrat and the blue collar worker. The aristocrats. <laughs> Uh, uh, have uh, through this half of the film they've been staying in the same room and they've not been getting on this is uh, they, they, they've been stuck in the same room for quite a while and there's been a bit of class conflict they've had a couple of arguments yeah like it, it's not like they don't like each other but like they, they, they both realise that they are such different people and have had such different experiences that they can't they're like they can't ever really be friends which, which is why people do he decides to stay behind partially it's like an honour thing like no, I, I'm I'm the like highest ranking person here. I I can't leave while one of you stays behind. But also, he realizes that like his place is here with von Raufenstein. They are two relics of an era that is swiftly coming to an end, and they are the last of, of the old regime that that they're like that is that is left. Now, and and they, they they can't exist in the world anymore. Here in the panopticon in which we live, uh, uh will. It's barely a life no. here. Uh, they just do a roll call by sending in drones to scan the barcodes tattooed on our necks. Yes. Um, but here they have to count, and at the end of the count, they're like, 
a Dibbledore's missing, uh, and they're like, oh no, has he run away? And then they hear the sound of a sweet flute. Yeah. And everyone's like, what's that? But, but we, we took all the flutes. How could yeah. they sell a flute? And then everyone's looking around, and they look up, and sitting on a ledge, casual as can be, with, with one leg hanging over the side, just tooting on a flute, is Dibbledore, wearing some very fashionable white gloves. Yeah. And uh, he does a great job of escaping. Yeah. He he gets up, runs away. The guards are running after him. And I love this escape idea so much that just be right, be right back. Mm. Time dash. You know how my legs and arms were broken yes. before? Now all my ribs are broken. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so the, I can no longer play a flute with white gloves on. Yeah, so here, here's the thing. I already knew that because uh, you didn't run very far <laughs> because of your legs being broken. Yeah. You, um, you, you mostly just stayed right here and said, I'm running away now and let the guards <laughs> kick your ribs in. Like, really, it seemed like, I've got to be honest, this one's on you. But we just got to try. <laughs> the, the whole point of this exercise... <laughs> It's to try and learn how to escape. Um, uh, and so Dibbledoo's running away. Um, the uh, Eric von Stroheim tells his guards not to shoot him. And this is when he's like, please don't let me shoot. I don't want to have to shoot you, mate. Come on, let's do this. Like, men, come back. You yeah, know, he's, he's like, have, have, you, have you lost your mind, Dibbledoo? And he says, I'm, I'm more sane than ever. Because he's he's finally realized like it's not it's not fucking worth being in a prison. Yeah, it fucking it, it's shitty and it sucks. And it doesn't matter how well the people in charge treat you. Yeah, it's like it 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 is it is still like it it it, it still like destroys your humanity to 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 live under like to live under imprisonment. Well, and, and, and that kind of all good science shows that prisons don't really reform people, and yeah. that the the most effective thing to do is, is to help people with resources and mental health care um, and that we should heavily uh, reform prisons, especially commercial prisons uh, in this space year of of 2121. But uh, von Stroheim uh, is like, oh, and shoots him. And then it's like, okay, tell everyone. Oh, no. Then they find out that the other two guys have run away. Yeah. Rosenthal and Marischal. Yeah. So the sequence is, is like cutting between Devil Do running around on rooftops and on like cliffs. Uh, while like everyone's like shining a spotlight at him, yeah, and it's kind of between that and uh, uh, Ro- real Ro- the opening credits of either Tintin or the Adam West <laughs> Batman series, <laughs> yeah, and so it's kind of between that and Rosenfall and Marichal using their rope to climb down the side of the yeah. to climb down the side of the fortress and uh, run away into the night. Uh, and uh, then the guards let von Stroheim know they got away, and it's like, okay, tell everyone we're going to do a big search. Mm. Uh, and then uh, we follow Rosenthal and Marichal as they try and do a big old walk to Switzerland. Yes, and, uh, it's and, like two hundred miles away or something. Yeah, it's a plan uh, they've discussed inside. They're going to eat two biscuits a day and six sugar cubes. Yeah, because they are horses. <laughs> And they're like, oh, this really sucks. They get a bag of oats when we get to Switzerland. Uh, uh, we we get a couple of time dashes. It seems they've been walking for a few days, and then they're like, oh man. Well, I mean, uh, either when he is uh, either when he is uh, cl- climbing down from the fortress, or in one of the time dashes, Rosenfall has injured his foot, and and he's he's uh, he he is he is slowing them down a lot. It was well, supposed to take like ten days or t- like fifteen days to to do yeah. this, and it's taking longer. Well, and, and I mean, your foot would get hurt walking a couple of you know out uh, yeah. twenty hours a day, um, and, and they're like, oh, and they have a big argument, like, 
oh fuck you yeah Marichelle's like I, I hate you I don't even like Jews and and I think that, that, I think that, that that's the first instance of of, of anti-Semitism in, in the movie I think I mean it's kind of implicit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Rosenthal is treated very differently uh, by other prisoners yes so but, but, but but not but not by the film no like oh no no, no. yeah yeah no. yeah like like Fr- France is a, uh, a very anti-Semitic country and uh, would you say that? Yeah. Uh, this is like 37 years after the Dreyfus affair. Oh, I was just. Uh, oh, yeah. No, no. To be clear, my my joke was no, uh, right. was, was irony, um, right? Yes. Uh, and more to do with its long history of uh, just incredible race issues, uh, uh, and, and cr- issues of both race and creed. For a film, there are like things that are implied by other soldiers. One of the scenes where they're all like sitting around a dinner table talking. And uh, his patriotism is, is is kind of questioned by some of the other soldiers, and he's like, "No, I like I I have way more of a stake in France than any of you. I own fucking land here." Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, and <laughs> it's a good bit. Yeah. Um, and then they so they break up. Yeah. For a second while yeah. they're walking. Yeah, for, for for about fifteen seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and and, and, and marriage dolls like. Yeah, fuck it. I'm not actually that mad at you. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just both cranky because we're only eating sugar cubes. Let's go hang out in this barn. Oh, it looks like there are people in this barn. No, there's no smoke coming out of the chimney. They go in the barn uh, and there are people home. Oh, no. Hmm. But uh, it's Elsa, who's a nice... And they're yeah. like... Is it played play by an actress called Dina Plot or something? <laughs> Dita Palo. Dita Palo, uh, who was who in one other movie on the list. Uh, she uh, she is in Jean Vigo's Ludlanta, oh. which is like number thirteen. Oh, good. I look forward to seeing yeah. that. She, she, she in, is in future space year twenty one twenty two. Yes, so she she is uh, she is uh, I think like basically the lead of that movie. Um, but she she's great. She's got a yeah. young uh, daughter. And you know, uh, yeah, uh, uh, she's got a daughter called Lottie, who is just incredibly charming. Yes. And well, and the interesting thing is there's this moment of tension, of course, of like, oh no, we've been caught, but it very quickly becomes clear that she's not going to turn them over. Yeah. Uh, only Rosenthal can speak German to begin with, at least. Yeah. So a uh, child is, is very much kind of stuck there mm. uh, 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 without anyone to talk to. But they stay there for a little bit. Yeah, it seems like they, they they stay there for probably at least like a few weeks until 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 Rosenthal's foot is all healed up. Yeah, and in that time, Marichal and uh, Marichal and Elsa have fallen in love. Yeah, uh, and, and Lottie has gotten some great scenes like at uh, celebrate Christmas. They make a nativity <laughs> scene, and they're like, "Look, Jesus came." And she's like, oh, I'm so excited. Look, oh, look, it's little yeah, Jesus. She, 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 she picks, she up, picks up a little doll of baby Jesus and she's like, I want to eat the baby Jesus. And it, it's, uh, and everyone's like, oh, she wants to eat the baby Jesus. And it's, uh, incredibly, and it's just one of those things where it is, uh, uh, uh beautiful and kind of semi distant and patently, painterly as all Renoir mm. moments are. But the feeling of it is so sincere. It yeah. feels like a real moment. It feels like the kind, just the right kind of weird thing a kid would say. <laughs> yes. And that you absolutely buy in like five minutes of screen time why he kind of falls in love with this family and yeah. Elsa specifically. But once Rosenthal, uh, Elsa lost her husband and brothers mm. uh, uh, in in Germany's great victorious battles she says oh, okay um, I, I, I think I, I think i missed that she does mm. and well and that like that's as a way to explain yeah. 
uh, uh, why she's so she readily takes them in. Hmm. But then when Rosenthal's foot is fixed, it is kind of time for them to keep on going, and so they have to they 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 leave they leave. But yeah. it's, it, it's more of a sense of duty than because they want to. Yeah, and well, and because if they stay, they'll be found. Yeah, but Marichal he talks to Elsa just as he's about to leave. And he tells her in this very kind of like faltering, like broken German that he's like learned over the past few weeks. He 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 tells her that like when when the when 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 the war is over, if if he is still alive, he'll he'll come back for yeah. for, for for her and Lottie, and he'll he'll take him back to France with them. And then they head off, and then um they're heading through some snow, mm-hmm. and that's how we know they're in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. A German patrol sees them, fires at them. But their lead, the leader, their captain, I guess, yeah. lieutenant, uh, lieutenant, is like, don't, they're in Switzerland now. Um, and we just see these two figures walking in the snow, just these black dots and an ocean of white. And, and then uh, it says Finn. Yeah, so and I was like, oh! <laughs> which is weird because I felt almost sure my memory of my first time seeing it, but yeah, it's a film that's pretty big in the canon. And I was like, I I was sure they died at the end. Of this. Right, I'm yeah. sure this was a great escape or um, Alien Covenant where everyone dies at the end. <laughs> it really feels like a film where they're going to yeah, die. Yeah. And uh, Wikipedia informs me, just to quote from the best source possible, is an early script version of La Grande Illusion had Rosenthal and Marichal agreeing to meet in a restaurant at the end of the war. Right. And then the final scene was everyone celebrating the armistice in that restaurant, but two empty chairs. So the implication okay. being that they died somewhere in Switzerland, um, which I kind like, I feel like maybe that's the picture I had in my mind. Right, yeah, yeah. And it does, uh, as much as this is a film about the point... Like, this is a film, what this film has taught me, not much about trying to escape. Though, I could try walking for 20 days. Yeah. Uh, let me just time dash. I forgot that all my limbs and ribs are broken. So that was just me saying time dash. <laughs> and no time actually passed. Um, but it, it, this film is clearly about class and about how uh, to the aristocrats, war is just a fun game and how that's a terrible thing and needs to stop. Yeah. And about how the aristocrats are playing a board game of risk that the working and to a lesser extent middle classes are paying in blood. Absolutely. And the, the best solution to that is the, is the aristocracy to sacrifice themselves so the people below them can escape. Yeah. Um, and, and also for them to like stop pretending like it's a game. Yeah. And, and that the only way within that broken system for people to to succeed is to become monsters like mm. that is the arc of kind of, uh, of of the lead whose name i just forgot of marachal is that he comes in as he's worked his way up from nothing but by doing terrible things mm. by, be, by being in a war and the war is pointless violent and, and dark two things I think I'm the first. Yeah. To yeah. Uh, I, 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 think, I think no other person has ever has ever said that before. War. I think I think uh, we're I think like both of us and specifically you are headed for I don't know a Pulitzer. Yeah. A uh, body. Yeah. Peabody. A potty. A potty. Uh, a Googfell. <laughs> Razzie. No. For, uh, for worst bad podcast, it's the worst at being bad. So oh, it's it the best. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had us going there for a second, Razzies. Yeah. 
really razzed us. Yeah. Oh, and that movie uh, that I mentioned earlier about the man who runs a movie theater and then goes out and cuts women's face off is called Last Screening. Oh, that, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but with all these points of like how uh, horrific war is, I kind of feel like the better way to drive that home is that it's still all be for naught because the machine is still there. Like yeah. a few cogs can rake, but the machine still kills. And that's my note to Jean Renoir uh, on the ending of this. But it's also like, as much as there's that discussion of class and that, like a nuanced discussion of class, it's also a film about prejudice. Mm. Then there's there's the stuff with the Jewish character, and then there is also there's a black officer in the first camp that no one no, interacts it, with. He, he he he's he's in the second camp. Oh, I just remember him being left out of eating. Yeah, uh, yeah. There is a scene where Rosenfall and Marischal uh, are working on like making me a rope to escape with. And, yep, and, and, right. and this black officer is, uh, he's like, he, he's been like painting or something. And he comes over to show them his painting, like, hey, this, this is a cool painting I did. Yeah. And, and they, they just don't even, they just don't even look at him. Um, it's great. Yeah. And very modern. Yes. Uh, in that, which is to say that its politics have aged well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, yeah, as, as you say, it's very brave of us to say, but I think war is a game played by the rich to enlarge their own pockets uh, at the cost of churning uh, young, poor people into a meat grinder that turns them into either sociopaths or corpses. Uh, yes. Uh, or uh, Correct. Or, or people with PTSD. Um, and and uh, it is heartbreaking that, that um, Renoir can make a film that makes every point in this film nothing has been addressed (laughs) every bit of it is right yeah and it is like the 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 only called shot it makes that is wrong is when he's like you know after this war the aristocracy will be over and you're like i wish (laughs) it's heartbreaking and and now uh in as much pain as i am with my broken limbs and bones uh and as much as I mean, it was a beautiful film. It has not helped us escape this prison. No, but but, but 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 at least now we know, like playing a flute to cause a distraction won't work. Oh yeah, I could do. Should I give it a second? Go? No, no, <laughs> it went so badly the first time. <laughs> okay, good. I look. I I think we should take a wee break. Hmm? Oh no, but first, I I know it's. It's almost frivolous, considering we live in this horrific panopticon that keeps committing acts of violence on us. And also, uh, within the fiction, we are trapped in a panopticon. Uh, But, like, do you think... Let's just play a game. I've just made it up. We've never played this before. Grand Illusion by Jean Renoir, 1937 French war film. Do you think that was shite or sound? Uh, I think uh, it was sound. So sound, yes, right? It's it's super good. It, it, like when we watched a Dear the Country, yeah, I was like I sort of get like what Renoir is going for here. Yeah. Uh, I, I I like I like how his looks a lot, but but I, yeah, what wasn't like fully on board with it. But like see, seeing this, I I, I get I, I I I get Renoir now, and I'm I'm, I'm like excited about Renoir. Well, and like the like the problem with Day in the Country is that it's not finished. It's yeah. not really a film. It, it, it's like let's judge. Um, uh, Forrest Gump, but only on the flashbacks. No, still bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why did I go to that? Because I'm in the Zemeckis mode. What if you only did the fir- if you only judged the first act of Allied, just the bit in Morocco and Casablanca, right? Haven't seen Allied. 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 It's okay. <laughs> 
check it out. It's the new-ish joint from Bobby Zemeckis, director of Beowulf, and Stephen Knight, writer of Luck. It was really... Oh, oh, oh God. He's, he has such a weird career. Yeah. Because like, he, he, he wrote and directed Locke, which is an incredible movie. Yeah. Uh, he wrote and directed Serenity, yep. which is uh, a, uh, a hilarious piece of trash. Yeah. Uh, and he, 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 he worked on Peaky Blinders, right? He created Peaky yeah, Blinders. Yeah, created Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders and then he also worked on... Uh, uh, he, he, he helped Tom Hardy create Taboo. Yeah. Uh, and he, he also worked on that show... Uh, I think he created a show where Jason Momoa is blind in the future. That's right. Yeah. But most importantly, and genuinely, mm-hmm. the th- he is one of the three credited creators of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Really? Bizarre. Yep. That's... And that was his first work. He also wrote for the BBC's Commercial Breakdown, which is a show with fun about funny ads. Right. Hey, Steve, Steve, Stephen Knight. Uh, uh, keep, keep, like, keep, 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 keep it up. I guess it seems you're going pretty well for you. But uh, please do more stuff like Locke. Or people seem to like Hummingbird, the Statham film. No, I, I've never, never seen that one. And he wrote Dirty Pretty Things, which is good. And Eastern oh, okay. Promises, which oh, is he, good. He wrote Eastern Promises. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, he was born in 1959. <laughs> His dad's name is Chips Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> and just oh, uh, such a, and, it's such a good dad name. But uh, of course, he wrote one of the most topical films ever. Mm-hmm. He wrote "Locked Down" the with f- Anne Hathaway and Chiwetelli Ejiofor. Yeah, with the Doug Lehman joint. Oh, kind of want to watch that. Yeah, even, even though I haven't heard good things. I mean, but like it's Stephen Knight and it's got Chiwetelli Ejiofor in it, and like yeah. Doug Lehman is a maniac. Does he, does he make uh, Does he make Edge of Tomorrow? Yes. Yeah, that movie rules. And The Firstborn. Right, yeah. Yeah, I believe it's called Birth. Um, oh, he wrote the Guy Pearce Christmas Carol. The Guy Pearce Christmas? What? BBC Dark Adaptation. Oh. Dark Modern Adaptation. Um, with, which had Andrew Serkis in it. Is, is, is this one where, 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 where Scrooge Fox? <laughs> I mean... Is, 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 is like Shane, but he's visited by ghosts? <laughs> Oh, I, mean, I, I, I want to see that now. In this version, a, sh- a, shame, a shameless Carol is visited by Amy Rossum and <laughs> William H. Macy. It kind of seems like that. Yeah. Charlotte Riley, Stephen Graham, Joe Alwyn, Jason Fleming, Caven mm. Novak. I recognize that name. <laughs> ah, from Four Lions. Oh, and uh, uh, and uh, the other Chris Morris movie. Oh, uh, The Day Shall Come. Yeah. Oh, and of course, Men in Black International. And he's oh. an early man. And he's in Prevenge. Oh, he's an early man. Of course, he's in Paddington. Man, this, this, this dude's been in a lot of a lot of stuff that I like. Like, how? Syriana, which I think is good. Four Lions. Great. Cuban Fury, that's the Nick Frost yeah, dance yep. movie. Don't, don't, don't fucking act like I don't know what <laughs> Cuban Fury is. I don't know. <laughs> Paddington, Prevenge, Early Man, Day Shall Come. Yeah. That is, like, the, in his filmography, one, two, three, four. There are only four other films he's made that I'm not mentioning. Oh, he was in Judge John Deed. You love Judge John Deed. He's the judge that fucks. <laughs> like, kind of. 
Oh, and he's in Time of the Doctor. He's the voice of Handles. Who, who's who's the Doctor's technically longest-running companion? When the Doctor is um, when the Doctor is trapped in the town of Christmas on oh, Trenzalore, right? And he has a decapitated Cyberhead. Oh, right. His vo- handle, who he calls Handles, his voice is Kevin Novak. Oh shit, that's cool. It's good. Oh, he's in a Quiet Night in the Inside Number Nine. He's the voice of brains on Thunderbirds, I go. Holy shit, is Kevin Novak the best actor in the world? <laughs> He's on the What We Do in the Shadows TV show. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. He was Dumbledore on Robot Chicken. He's been a guest voice on Archer. Holy shit. Okay, he is on Danger Mouse. <laughs> He's in the recurring cast. He plays two roles. One is Dr. Lou hyphen Cipher, Dr. <laughs> Lucifer, and the other is Isambard King Kong Brunel. <laughs> oh my god. Kevin Novak. Kevin Novak. What a fuck. Okay, so um, that's a lot to take in. Mm. So I propose that I, I should heal my bones. So I'll go to the med bay. Yeah, well, well, first we have to put you in a pit for six months <laughs> yeah. where, where we can use ropes to heal your bones. Yeah, yeah that, that's the best way. And then yeah. with um, but 12 hours until Marion Cotillard and Tom Hardy I blow up a new. I'm going to spend quite a lot of time pouring petrol on a building so it burns in a bat symbol. Yeah. Because that's a good use of my time, the rhino from Spider-Man. Tom, Tom, Tom Hardy in Zark Night Rises. Yeah. Uh, good performance. Yeah. Uh, I like that voice a lot. Yeah. And uh, people should stop being mean about it. Uh, I, yeah, I think I can understand how people think it's silly. But, but like, but of course the, it's silly. But they're the people who, th- like, everyone agrees that it's silly. It is thinking that things are silly are bad. Yeah. And that, like, what it, uh, 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 it is like, oh, was being caught in this plane part of your plan? Yes. So, oh, fuck. I, go, let's have an impression. You know, Aiden Gillen, it's the yeah. FBI guy. Yeah. When he's like, it's just the most, yeah. hello, yeah, okay. <laughs> So there's only one. I only put one of you on the manifest. And then he goes to put him by the door. And then he's like, oh, yeah, so what's your plan now? And then Tom Hardy goes like, crashing this (laughs) plane. And it's like, yeah, good. Yeah. It's so fucking sweet ass. Met, like yeah, and then and then the the the, the bit where those two lines are kind of like written in a way that they don't really work together, I, where where he's like, oh, it's gonna, oh, it's gonna hurt. No, it, it please, it would be very painful. It would be very painful. Well, yeah, what's going on? He's like, oh, well, you're 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 a you're a big guy. <laughs> like, oh, for you, I I I feel quite good because I wrote before the Dark Knight Rises came out. I wrote, I wrote a play. Um, with uh, uh, ask me what the title is. Hey, you. What, what, what was the name of that play that you wrote? The full title of the play was the presentation of findings of my scientific survey of the first seventy five hundred days of my life, presented in the interests of helping you live a better life. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and there was um, a, a point in that where uh, you wouldn't know it, but it ended up with lots of people having just very emotional outbursts, and someone yelled at someone like. God damn it, this is so embarrassing. And they're like, oh, don't say that. And they go, and then the person responds, no, embarrassing for you. 
and I was like, oh, I did what Christopher Nolan <laughs> yeah. was trying to do. And then, of course, uh, after that was nearly three hours of me working to avoid Joseph Gordon-Levitt mentioning that his first name is Robin. Yeah. Well, his 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 real first name because yeah, he yeah. changed his name or whatever. No, he goes by his middle name. Oh, it's right. The he goes by That's the whole the yeah yeah the hoariest and creakiest scene in the history of film. Just like <laughs> I've got an interview. I don't have anyone by that name here. Oh, it might be under my middle name. Oh, you should go by your first name. It's a nice name. Robin. Robin. And you're just like, oh, no. Just make him Dick Grayson. Yeah. Just announce him as Dick Grayson and be like, this is our, our fucking take on Dick Grayson or Damian Wayne or Jason Todd is that he's a beat cop. Mm. And like, that's the spin on it. And same with Talia Al Ghul. Like, don't need the whole. Just that film is, all the twists are pointless. Yeah. Except, of course, the twist that um, Tom Hardy is the good guy and that we should retake cities from financial overlords. Yeah, but not by blowing up all the bridges and then putting a nuke in the middle of the city. Not quite sure how that, how that, how that helps his goals. I mean, haha, that's very funny. How else do you, how else would you, okay, so we're in, we're in up the Panopticon in which we uh, exist. Yes. Uh, is in Auckland. We're going to take this over, turn it into a socialist state. First thing we're going to do. Blow the Harbour Bridge. <laughs> no more North Shore. Yeah. People in Albany, you're going to have to drive around. And <laughs> <laughs> and then we just oh uh, yeah okay it's really quite hard to isolate auckland yeah mm, i've got it yeah we explode all the volcanoes and then we live under the magma like magmen no you know uh, uh, uh the name of it we li- we're in the north island of aotearoa which is tafunganui atara mm. which uh it's a big old fish it's a big old fish uh the maui's uh, uh, uh maui of moana fame <laughs> uh fished out of the sea i think if we head down to the head that's and, then, and then his fucking shithead brothers they went all all over and they they they, they chopped it up but if we go down to wellington which is the head and wake it up we could get the whole of the North Island could be swimming around. That's a security drone tasing me. So luckily I found us another film. Oh, As good. I mentioned, there were two films. Yeah, now, now, now that it's been six months and, and we've, we've healed all your bones. Yeah. <laughs> great yeah i've taken some flute lessons yeah and you're, you're, you're ready to climb out of this panopticon uh and there was a second prison escape film it's called fortress and we... fortress that's a word they used in grand illusion <laughs> yeah yeah that, that connects good to... yeah good 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 pick by me <laughs> yeah, well it, you you want to do chicken like you a... want to do chicken run chicken run is good <laughs> i want to talk about chicken run and it's pretty much the best time to talk about Melbourne Gisborne <laughs> and Jane Horrocks. When else are we going to talk about Jane Horrocks on this cast? I don't know. I have no idea what else Jane Horrocks has been in. We'll we'll talk about Chicken Run when, when, when we do our, our Altman and Ardman series. What would you pair with Chicken Run? Uh, Dr. T and the Woman. <laughs> okay. So this other film, it's called Fortress. It is... Directed by Stuart Gordon. It's yeah. fucking gross. And as we know... <laughs> In this space year 2120, we are, uh, uh, Stuart Gordon is lauded as, he always has been through history, as the finest. Uh, and do you know what, I, you know how like Hitchcock 
at the time was saying, oh, this fucking Hitchcock guy, just yeah. another cheap thriller. Yeah. And, th- think- and then those fucking Frenchies came along and they're like, no, this guy actually rules. And then everyone was like, yeah, okay, so I guess he rules. Do you think that will happen again? That there will be another bunch of Frenchies being like walking out of the background of Before Sunset and being like, well, we have seen his work as Stuart Gordon, <laughs> mainly his work with Christophe Lambert. <laughs> and we say his the best author since um uh luke besson i mean yeah no i i like i think that there already has been like a, a Stuart gordon re, oh, like, re, 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 yeah. re-evaluation uh, and I, I, his I, career I, has been reanimated yeah and i think he he's someone who's like like his his films are only gonna like continue to grow as more and more people find out about all the crazy gross shit that he did oh mate like like, he, like I am a prisoner, and I'm here for just horrific crimes. Yeah, and there are things in this film that, you know, really cause uh, tummy trouble. Yeah, one day Stuart Gordon is going to be someone who's talked about in the same way people talk about Cronenberg. Like, yeah. like he he is he is Brandon Cronenberg. Mm. Well, the, who's obviously the better Cronenberg? Stuart Gordon is the like trashy, like low budget version of David Cronenberg, and he has I think very different uh, thematic. Uh, kind of con- con- concerns than Cronenberg does. Well, he like Cronenberg is always. I love Cronenberg. Yeah. Um, but he always feels kind of like it's kind of always in quotes and ironic mm. when he uses violence. He's using it in uh, kind of as a way to 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 question or disrupt or uh, to comment on the violence in yeah. and of itself. Whereas Stuart Gordon is a hundred percent in on the ex- exploitation as a genre, yeah, and is like, I just no, no, no. The point of um, Fortress isn't about the prison industrial complex. It's about how cool would it be uh, if little bombs had been put in everyone's intestines, <laughs> uh, and, and what is the term? Intes- intestinators is intestinators, what they're called. Intestinators, and you have Kurtwood Smith saying intestinate them, and then their stomachs just explode yeah. and kill them, or, and that's good. Or sometimes he'll say, activate random intestination, and yeah. just a bunch of prisoners will get intestinated. Yeah, well, there are two levels, like green, you're fine, orange, it is unspeakable pain and red um it, your, your it explodes. stomach explodes um and uh and like there's no like obviously there are levels of commentary in this yeah but like what's good Stuart gordon wants to do is make the best film that like he doesn't yeah he doesn't want to elevate he doesn't think no. he's above it he doesn't think of this as a tool and i think the way cronenberg does yes yeah um and, and that is again not a diss on cronenberg they're two different approaches and i think equally valid yeah like, like yeah with, with 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 like cronenberg his his approach to body horror is always as a tool to tell you how terrified he is of sex yeah whereas, whereas Stuart gordon uh he 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 isn't terrified of sex, but he's like, sex is hilarious and kind of gross. No, like his approach to sex is to be like, hey, you guys ever heard that I've had sex? Because there is there is one sex scene in this, but it is like porn. Yeah, like I'm 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 pretty sure you see Christopher Lambert's taint. Definitely see his balls. <laughs> yeah, and I think possibly like more. Yeah, 
and I think part of that is that this film was I, I, I want to say that this film was being made for VHS release and I didn't think that much detail was needed well, pro- probably but this film had a budget of 15 million dollars <laughs> it was like like that that would like definitely be like one of Gordon's biggest budgets oh yeah absolutely yeah. The, the story he tells and like that money is on screen for the most part like th- th- this movie takes place in uh, like a crazy giant practical sets like it is it's, it's full it's, of laser beams it's got Kerwood Smith it's sp- it's spending that fucking money yeah oh absolutely well and it was Gordon says and no one has disagreed with this hmm. publicly so far as I've seen but uh, the first reanimated corpse in uh, I believe it's called Reanimator yes uh, is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger's longtime stunt double right and so Schwarzenegger saw the film and he was like oh a film of mindless violence and, se- and sexual horror yeah um, there's a scene where a severed head tries to eat a woman out yeah. it's, uh, it's 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 super gross <laughs> Um, and, and it's pretty who um, and, and but also like if you think you'd be entertained and like it all looks so fake anyway um, anyway it's just hard to follow that statement but Schwarzenegger was like hello I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger I, I'm working so hard for people to forget that I'm a Republican um, anyway did you enjoy my one scene performance in the long goodbye <laughs> Um, but also, uh, Stuart, I'd love to work with you. Let's develop something together. And so they developed Fortress as like this $50, 60000000 million yeah. dollar film, this big, huge film for, for Arnold to star in as, seems like Drickard or something, Derek, Derekovsky. It's, 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 like, it's like Brennick. Uh, is it it is John Henry Brennick. Yeah. And his wife. Karen B. Brennick. Yeah. I think the middle B must stand for Brennick. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, so her, her last name was already Brennick. So when she got married to him, she took his last name, which is also Brennick. And yeah. so now she's a, now she's a double Brennick. Um, but then uh, Schwarzenegger dropped out to make uh, uh, 1992. He was probably like, I've got to go tell some true lies. I've got to give someone a raw deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I like I, I'm I'm not the like hugest fan of uh, I'm not the hugest fan of 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I think that if he was in this movie, this movie might be fantastic. And I think what like as much as this film uses all of its budget, yeah, what it needs is twenty million more dollars for all the scenes where it's not using its budget, where they are just in one room with neon yeah, standing yeah. in for lasers. Um, and, and and it needs someone with his charisma. Yeah, but when you can't get Arnold, you get of course, and, and you and you can't get Van Damme, and you can't get Stallone, <laughs> and you can't get Lundgren. Yeah, you, you can't get Bruce Willis. And there are Screen Actors Guild's rules against using a mop with googly eyes <laughs> on it. You get everyone's, everyone's, if, if, everyone's uh, best Belgian boy. <laughs> yeah. No, who who who? I mean, he's not he's not Belgian. Be- okay, he, he, he's, he's like Swiss, all right. Who is it? Belgian action guy. It is Van Damme. Van Damme, yeah. But also Jeremy Renier or Olivier Goumet. Oh, every if like every time someone says Jeremy Renier's name, I'm like, oh, you're just saying Jeremy Renner weird. <laughs> I mean, okay. So they it, look- it, yeah, 
for anyone who doesn't know, there is a French actor called Jeremy Renier who looks a lot like Jeremy Renner. Let's be clear, considering it is the context of the conversation we're having. Jeremy Renier is Belgian. Right, yes, <laughs> thank you. He does he does mostly movies in France because it's not a huge Belgian film industry. But yeah, I mean he 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 is called Jeremy Renier and it's, it is spelt Jeremy Renner basically. Yeah, and he looks incredibly similar to Jeremy Renner. Yeah, and but most importantly, Jeremy Renier. He, he, good. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, good. I mean, except for, uh, God, what is it called? The film he shot in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. What is it? Based on the Elizabeth Knox book. Oh, that's right. Called a heavenly vintage in most of the world. Oh, is, is, that, is that one? Is, is that the one with Keisha Castle Hughes? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Vera Farmiga. And, right. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's favorite Hannibal Lecter, Gaspar Duliel. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. That, that, that's why I know that movie because I was looking through his filmography once. Yeah. Um, uh, that it's, it's a bad adaptation of a very good book. Right. Um, by uh, Nikki Caro, who, uh, wrote that whale. Yep. And, uh, all the way to Mulan. Oh, right. There is a sequel to Fortress called Fortress True Reentry. Oh, we should have watched that. <laughs> directed by Jeff Murphy, New Zealand filmmaker. Oh, okay. He is second unit director on Lord of the Rings. Oh, Goodbye, shit. Pork Pie. Married to Meritamita, who is oh, yeah. a, certainly our finest documentarian and a, a strong argument for the best director to come out of this country. Well, she, she, she was one, there was that documentary about her a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she made a bunch of great stuff. Mm. Patu, Maori, Hotere, Shooting of Dominic Kaifata. Yeah, Bastion Point, day 507. Check that shit out. It's yeah. incroyable. Oh, she died outside the studios of Mali Television. Well, I guess someone's got to. Yeah, and then her son made a documentary about her, but she's like mm. uh, uh, um, the best chronicler of, of radical uh, uh, indigenous political action in New Zealand. Right. And yeah, like um, Brennan Gananalingham, uh, to be mentioned a second time on this podcast, wrote a, a very touching article um, about her and her work. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, um, check that out. I believe it is on the Pantograph Punch, which is a it's a good website. You must have written for them. Oh, huh? I've written for no one. Oh. You, you on the other hand. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I was trying to work out to my what I'm working is my new catchphrase, which is I wouldn't know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a proposed new segment. Yeah. Um, it is. It's, it's a, called Pitch a Bad Bit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it, 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 it's ASMRPG. Which is an ASMR reading of the parents' guide on IMDb to the films we watched, and and also uh, and and also as as you do more of it, you you can upgrade <laughs> your skills <laughs> and explore the world more. <clears throat> Sex and nudity, moderate. You see Christopher Lambert's balls, full rear female nudity and female breast nudity, as shown a few times. <laughs> There's also some dicks in the scene where all the men have to walk naked. Violence and gore. Severe. Severe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good a... guess from me. <laughs> it's extremely violent, bloody, gory, and graphic. Yes, it is. Two men are blown to bits. <laughs> One man has a hole blown through him. Another's man's stomach blast out from inside. <laughs> Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Mild. A man drinks some champagne. 
But it's not just regular champagne, but champagne that's been drugged somehow. <laughs> and we know that it's been drugged because it's like, how do you feel? And he's like, I feel great. And then falls over sideways like he's Buster Keaton being bumped on the bonds or, or someone being killed with a hammer. So this Fortress film, the Fortress it, it describes seems very much like the Fortress we find ourselves trapped in now. Yes. So a, a futuristic and neo-fascist panopticon. Well, it, it's interesting because obviously Fortress... The, the, the sort of prison where people get thrown in for, for totally minor for totally minor infractions like having a second child or killing the Spider-Man <laughs> or attempting to kill the Spider-Man. <laughs> Or being shot down. Oh, yes. Remember, yep, I was being also, shot down over enemy territory. Also in for that. Um, uh, but Fortress was made in 1992. Yes, and so of course, uh, this hor- horrific hellscape where prisons are corporatized, run overpacked, and run by psychopaths uh, under the cruel fist set in America. Um, of course, they're trying to get to Canada, and they, yep. they get picked up um uh, a cruel uh, a cruel leadership um it's it's hard to know how easily it could have predicted the year it set in 2017 the future well that is of course let's remember 103 years in the past for us yes um so yeah old john henry brennick and his wife karen they're trying to get to Canada, yep. um, to have a second child, which is illegal in this kind of a cyberpunk handmaid's tale. Yep. So, like the hand made droids tale. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but they uh, and they're getting they're using a magnetic vest to hide that she's pregnant. Yeah. And, and they do this big thing like you can't raise your hands above your head or. or or you'll reveal yourself as pregnant and, and it's like oh of course she, she'll be forced to raise her arms above her head to protect him yeah but, and that, that's gonna be, be the thing that trips him up yeah and, and so guard inspects them doesn't really notice anything uh but then looks a little closer and is like oh you're pregnant and and uh, they capture him but of course uh, they set the dogs on on Christoph Lambert yeah. and the, 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 this is the first moment you get reminded that it's a Stuart Gordon movie because like for, for the first few minutes you're just like yeah this is just kind of like a generic like bad sci-fi movie what, whatever and then they set some fucking Dobermans on and, uh, on, on Christoph Lambert one for each arm yeah and these these fucking dogs just start ripping out chunks of his flesh <laughs> And uh, was not expecting uh, to see that in, in, in this movie. But uh, but as soon as it happened, I was like, right, yes, I'm watching a Stuart Gordon movie. Uh, the human body is made of meat. <laughs> uh, and they're taken into this fortress prison run by men tell um who are uh yeah some big future conglomerate that that owns all the prisons and owns all of the prisoners brains yeah uh, it's it, when you enter it scans your brain and of course uh, as we're in the future we know this is uh, an incredibly accurate portrayal of the technology which to someone in the past would simply look like someone with a grid pattern on a slide projector being passed over someone's face but we know that and then video camera footage of people having sex which is what is going on in everyone's dreams all the time yeah yeah hmm. um uh, yay um uh, along the way they meet Kristen. uh no clinton collins jr is gomez the, the clifton or clifton you're yeah, right yeah. it is clifton Cl- clifton collins. collins jr who had later gone to be in boondock saints 2 all, all saints, saints day, day. 
Um, and a bunch of other stuff that is uh, less bad than that. Yeah, Babel. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, good. And you say, say he was in traffic? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, he's been in the the only movie to win a Best Picture over another movie by the same director. I mean, Zemeckis basically directed Pulp Fiction <laughs> when Forrest Gump beat it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's the story. So much, uh, so much of it. Like, you know how Roger Av- Avery basically wrote the script and Tarantino took credit. It's Zemeckis mainly directed it. When you look at that film, it's got Zemeckis yeah, it's got all Zemeckis, over it. Yeah. I mean, it does. It does have a fifties nostalgia. <laughs> True, and uh, that that is uh, the only thing that defines Zemeckis' style. And, and, uh, until he decided, no, the thing that 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 defines my style is weird CG uh, monsters. I have to tell you that, like, Welcome to Marwin yeah. has an amount of women's foot stuff in it that. Just in that was the one where, where him and Tarantino switched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was the- like, yeah, yeah. I, I did one for you. Now you do one for me. The amount of foot stuff in that film entirely, like in one swoop, outbalances the whole of Tarantino's filmography, and that includes like, like, do you remember the set? Yes. No, let's not. Let, let's and and, and he was about Death Proof? <laughs> or any of them. Yeah. I was just like, seen Death Proof where, where, where Kurt Russell licks, um, uh, where he licks, uh, where he licks Rosario Dawson's feet. Shit, man. Yeah. So, Fortress. Um, Have you ever seen the, 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 like, behind the, 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 the behind the scenes pictures of, of Tarantino filming that scene? Where he's just getting real close in with the camera. <laughs> <laughs> It, it it looks like exactly what you expect it to look like. I just don't. As we've said before, we don't like being able to know exactly which part of the film the director is masturbating to. Yeah. And I mean, like, Fortress is one of those films. <laughs> but that's because there there is a scene that's just porn yeah but 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 with but with no female nudity she 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 she's wearing she's wearing I mean, but, but, but but like at 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 other points yeah, yeah like yeah. in 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 that, in that sex scene she she's wearing like a she's wearing like a like a nightdress the whole time well, you can you can see her butt that counts uh, as no, I, I, I was i was too focused on christopher <laughs> i was too focused on christopher Lambert's taint uh so uh, uh, this fortress is run by. Oh, well, like be- before we get inside the fortress, we see a sweet matte painting of the outside of the oh, fortress. Right, of course. Which, like, love your matte paintings. I, I, I do, and like Sorry. we. One sec. Do, 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 do. It's Finn's matte painting minute. Guys, we get another fucking matte painting in this movie. It's been so long since we've had a good matte painting, yeah. and I just I love them so much, and like like. Like two, like two years ago, didn't really care about matte paintings. But like something's happened, and now I, I think matte paintings are one of my favorite things to see in a movie. And it's it's just so nice whenever I get to see like a really like good matte painting. And uh, yeah, it's just like you see you see the truck like dr- like driving down the road. It's all like shot in Australia. It's like driving down the road in the outback. I mean, you see like turning in- into into this matte painting of like the opening of the underground bunker and all the like buildings surrounding it. It's so, it's so good. Do, 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 do. That was Finn's mad painting minute. I can feel joy again. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny bit. But I'll admit through most of that, I was reading this article um, about a talk by Sally Minky about the six fit camera techniques that uh, 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 objectify women. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's count in Fortress how this is, how many there are in Fortress. Number one, point of view, male subject, female object. Yes, the, yeah. the extended scenes of Kurtwood Smith literally uh, staring at, at, what is her name? Her name is Lauren Lachlan, I believe. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, at her naked body, admittedly on a screen, like it could not be any more that yeah. than it like, is. She, 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 is she, she is literally a character in a dream in, in both scenes. Yep. Framing, fragmented body parts. So many body parts <laughs> and so many fragments. <laughs> Body pans, tilts, often in slow motion, camera movement. No, not really. I mean, not, not they really. just really could not afford to move the camera much <laughs> in this film. Lighting, male lighting versus fantasy lighting, 3D versus 2D lighting. Um, probably, probably, yeah. Um, and, of course, narrative position, the sexualized female body exists outside the narrative flow. This is entirely about a film, about a man trying to break him and his pregnant wife out of prison that manages through the dream technique to still sexualize her i think yeah. yes um one example it uses it's examples i disagree with because they are carry blade runner 2049 and science of the lambs which i think are all commenting on that thing yes i mean like but, uh, science of the lambs is explicitly commenting on that yeah and, like like multiple times it makes it very clear and, but, but i mean you, you can still use it as an example of it if it's commenting on it because like this is an example of someone commenting on it i'm just i'm I'm still burned from there there was a good article about how cyberpunk isn't really taking off they're trying to do cyberpunk again it's not really taking off and like why is that Uh, i mean the answer is pretty obvious cyberpunk was never never a mainstream genre like the closest to a major cyberpunk success is the matrix and even that is its success was as an action film um but there was a lot of people being like, oh, it's because modern modern cyberpunk doesn't understand what cyberpunk is. And always talking about Blade Runner 2049, I'm like, no, fuck you. That film understands cyberpunk. Ab- absolutely. absolutely. Be nice about that very successful and very expensive film that lots of people like, but I also like. What, 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 was it very successful? I, 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 I thought it was, it, was, it was like kind of a bomb. I think it, like... I think it's one of those that only made $200 million yeah, instead yeah. of $400 million. Um, yeah, it, it cost 150 to 180 and made 260 Yeah, that's, that's not enough. Yeah, but it's like, it made a quarter of a billion dollars. Yes. You know? Yeah, but they, they like, with like the marketing and stuff, they, they, they spent that much on it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. they shouldn't have. No, no, absolutely not. Um, but also they should have because I like that their movie exists. But also, you could make that film for half that budget uh, if you loosened a lot of copyright laws and started uh, putting a great, like, put a gradiated system of wages within unions, including the actors' union. And, yeah, like, but but if you have a budget, you wouldn't be able to get a you wouldn't be able to get a giant hologram out of the Amos. No, it no, costs you, money. You how how, how do they make a hologram that big? I am sure. 
I'm sure the lot of budget of that film is like Harrison Ford have twenty million dollars. Right, yeah, yeah. When a, a, we should be in a position where it's like Harrison Ford, do you want to get paid at the high end of the scale, which of course pays you a great hourly rate for your work, but because you're working as hard as one of the grips, that would be obscene to pay you uh, orders of magnitude more than him. Mm-hmm. And then Harrison Ford, having grown up in that kind, sane system, would say, "Of course." He says, "No, I've got planes to crash." <laughs> I was going to say, I've got CGI dogs to call the wild. <laughs> anyway, so they're in this fortress. They're separated. He's like, I want to get out of this fortress. Well, he, he doesn't know that she's in there at first. Yeah. He, he thinks that she was able to escape while he was being ripped apart by dogs. Yeah, uh, he he's chucked in this room with these pretty... Uh, uh, him and Gomez uh, put in a cell with um, uh, 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 there's a guy called Abraham who's been there for like 50 years yeah and he's almost on parole yeah um, there is uh, Jeffrey Coombs is D-Day uh, yeah. in the thickest Coke bottle glasses possible his yeah. eyes with his big old stringy hair appear to be bigger than his head he looks like Will Forte in that movie about the National Lampoon uh, and Vernon Wells is in there as well no 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 no, no. I thought he was also in the same room uh, no. no no no, no. Um, uh, the, the Vernon Wells is a guy with the numbers tattooed on his head who dies yeah, yeah. The, the guy I just thought they were in the same cell but no, no. no, the uh, the other guy in this cell. And now I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I'm sorry, I'm making time while you look up the name. Yeah. That that makes me feel pretty good about this film uh, giving us material as to how to escape our prison. Is that like our prison? The bars are not metal, but of course laser beams. And, and it's interesting they've even captured the fact that they look like just neon tubes, <laughs> and, and that solitary confinement is standing in a ring of blue lasers. Right. Yeah. Uh, 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 so the uh, 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 the 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 other guy in the cell is called Stiggs, and he's played by an actor called Tom Towles, who was also in Dog Day Afternoon, Miami Vice, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects. Which Miami Vice? Uh, the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. He 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 played Colin Farrell. Then what? <laughs> And who did Colin Farrell play? Uh, he played Miami. <laughs> oh, right. And Jamie Foxx Ox, Ox, was um, Vice. Yes. Yeah. And Michael Mann was a regular human. Do you know what? You know how <laughs> Matt Damon plays Dr. Mann in Interstellar? Sure. Do you know what Dr. Mann's first name is? Uh, no, I can't remember. Hugh. Oh, right. Yes. Of He's course it is. Dr. No, human. of course it is. Yep. Uh... Should have known something was up with that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they 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 they're all in the cell together, and as soon as they get in the cell, uh, Stiggs uh, starts being threatening. Uh, there, there, there's there's some uh, there, there is some implied talk of rape. Uh, I think there, there, this like there, there, like I was worried there was going to be like, a lot of like prison rape material in this. Yeah, and there, there's there's like there's like a bit of it, but it, it's it's not it's never like like it, it's never like a joke, and it's never like super gross about it i think but it, it, like I, I was expecting it to be a lot less uh, tactful than it was there's, there's one major scene yeah. of it uh, and it is included as a moment of exploitation on a par yes, yes. with people exploding and that is a mark against this yeah. film i think it's a pretty big mark against this film as well because i just like I, because i think part of exploitation is you're kind of inherently making light of things and I hate mm. that as a prisoner. Uh, I I think like this film is 
I think almost everything this film is commenting on it is doing kind of semi-accidentally. I mean, uh, I don't think that Stuart Gordon is setting out to like have a big take on the like very real problem of people being raped in prison. Yeah. But also I think he could have handled it a lot worse than, 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 he, than he did. Like, it's, yeah. But the real answer, yeah. but the real answer to is just not to do it. Yeah. The, this, you would not miss it if it was gone. Sure. In the way yeah. that you would miss people being intestinated yes uh from this film the whole place is overseen by kurtwood smith as poe uh who we learn about halfway through as a cyborg and of course like all good cyborgs he's got some plugs in his stomach one is just a standard power cord (laughs) point and one seems to be like an old serial printer channel yeah uh and um laurie lachlan finds him and he's like so you now know the truth i've got plugs in me yeah like like she 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 like comes around the corner she's in his room he's like talking to his his fancy all-powerful computer yeah and she, yeah and she 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 comes around the corner and she sees him and there are like a bunch of tubes in him and stuff and for a second it looks like he's fucking the computer and yeah. and i was like yeah have have this be a plot point <laughs> please please like please take the movie in this direction i mean it, it turns out no the, the the tubes and stuff are just going into his stomach not his pants and you're like oh that, that's yeah it's slightly disappointing but, um, but then later it turns out that uh, if you stab him with a giant shot of glass, he has blue blood. Yeah. Ooh, good. Like a mixture of Star Wars milk and the blood milk from the alien films. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a crossover. Except except, except not acidic, like the like alien blood. But alien blood is... No, I'm talking about robot blood milk. Oh, oh right. Like, yes, yes, yes. Like when yeah. Ian Holm is like, yeah. I'm going to choke you with this new magazine. Mm-hmm. Ian Holm loves to choke Bilbo. <laughs> the killer in From Hell. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he just spoiled From Hell. <laughs> I, I was going to say he plays Aberline, but that is um, Jonathan Depp's character. So, Fortress. He's in this prison cell. Yeah, run by the Mentel Corporation. Yeah, run by the Mentel Corporation. There are, there are these dudes that begin to know. In a scene which you would only see in a sort of horrifying fascist dystopia, all of these prisoners are forced into hard labor, yep. solely for the uh, purpose of enriching corporations. And one day, while, while they're working, we meet a, a character called Mannix, who has been uh, who has been hinted at before by Stiggs. Is like Ma- yep. Mannix, Mannix is a friend of his, and uh, uh, Mannix uh, likes to uh, rape and or kill people. Yep. And uh, 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 he's got a number written on his head. One eight seven, and that's the like. Like, that's the like federal murder statute or whatever yeah you know those criminals they love they love federal statutes well they love telling uh the people who's caught them the crime they've committed yeah they're like just so we're clear it would be like hypothetically michael bay making a film with an extended scene where a character explains the romeo and juliet law <laughs> including revealing they have a laminated card which uh, not 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 to get too far off track but like in in uh, in transformers 4 whatever well, wait, so he does do that i was talking about it purely as a hypothetical so like that actually makes it uh, uh like th- that that makes it so much worse 
Because like in, in in the film, there's, there's a guy who's like 24 years or something, yep. and his girlfriend's 17, yep. and and he he has this card that says the law says that because we started dating when, when we were both underage, that means it's okay. So when he was 17, that was five years earlier. <laughs> so like he would have been 17, and she would have been 12 <laughs> when they started dating, yeah. which is so much worse than a 17 year old and a 23 year old dating. You know, I'm really beginning to think that Michael Bay films might contain some somewhat horrific sexual content when you scratch the surface of them yes mm, uh, i don't think there's like i'm thinking back on like the scene where uh, a woman seduces shia labeouf in transformers uh revenge of the fallen when mm-hmm. he goes to college and, and the film uh sexualizes her you know staring uh, you know, at her body, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then she like shoves him on the bed uh, and reveals she's an evil robot and produces a giant killer phallus. That's <laughs> oh, <is that> interesting. <laughs> no, that's fine to me. I think well, the scene in Transformers Three: Dark of the Moon where um someone is describing a car and like look at these curves built for power and at the same yeah. time. Uh, Michael Bay in the editing bay, and it was named after him because yep. he loves so many cats, is showing us shots of a uh, of a woman's body uh, as kind of like a Kuleshov ironic juxtaposition thing. I think that is um, uh, good, fine. good and cool. So yeah, no, you're you're one. Ex- I think that's a, a bad apple that's spoiling that i'm thinking about when they burn that woman and call her a witch in bad boys for life a film that's very much in the shadow of bay absolutely nah that's fine <laughs> it's good actually i think that's great yeah. uh i've never seen any of his other movies so i can't comment on any of those uh, well you really should i mean it's- oh i've seen i've seen parts of armageddon well, like, they hurt a bit, but you get a lot out of them, you know? You've got to do it. No pain, no gain. Mm-hmm. He he directed the film Pain and Gain. Do you, Finn, you're not laughing. Finn. One day, we're doing some hard labor. They're, like, digging some tunnels and stuff, and we hear a scream, and we see we see that Mannix, uh, played by Vernon Wells, is raping Gomez. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So then John Brennick, our, uh, our tough, cool hero, uh, who definitely has an American accent. Uh, yeah, he- yeah, no, I, I like, as as someone with an American accent, Masriel... <laughs> <laughs> he 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 goes he goes over and he tries to fight Mannix and then they go into a fight and then they get intestinated because fighting's uh, no that you get intestinated when you go in they're put in solitary for the fight that, and that's right, why they right. put in uh, everyone is intestinated as they enter and then they go into that hallway where that guy's like I've got to run away because we've got to show how intestinating is done and sure then he's, but, but like I, I thought they 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 they, they go intestinated to, to like break up the fight there is a lot of intestination in this film <laughs> yeah but um yeah no, so, i think the thing is inserted as soon as you arrive in the prison. yeah it gets put in as soon as they arrive in prison i'm saying being testinated was activated to break up the fight oh yeah no no yeah okay, yeah okay that i thought you were saying intestinating uh intestinated as in they had the intestinator no, no, no. put into them but no you were meaning intestinated as the intestination was applied from yes, the intestinator yes. onto their intestines yes ah right and it wasn't an intest no ah. okay we've got now great so yeah so then, then, who's then, on first uh me i uh finn nicholas okay. am on, i'm on first base uh i hit the ball didn't hit it great but i hit it okay don't you think it's crazy that this film uh made in 1992 
a uh, hundred and eighteen years ago from us now, this Panopticon yep. pred- predicted the the very intestinators we've got in our guts. Well, I I don't think it was a prediction so much as they saw the movie. <laughs> oh, it was like right. oh, like like that, that, that's that's why it's in that's why it's in our like it's 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 in the prison archive. Oh, right, like how like how flip phones um don't accidentally look like communicators from Star Trek. They were designed. Yeah, like J- just like how the the only book is the in our library is a book by Jeremy Bentham where he where where he says we just have panopticons. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, Jeremy Bentham. You held to invent utilitarianism and then you made uh, mind prisons. <laughs> one I think one really cancels out the other. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I, I I believe that. And now see in this film it's pretty random who is intestinated and when later when he gets into a fight with uh, Maddox, uh, uh, um, the, that's John, mm. uh, Christophe Lambert, just giving the most emotional performance I've ever oh. seen uh, from man who I would also just describe as a side of beef. <laughs> and like Maddox is interesting because he's just a, he's like a character from Clay Fighter. Like he, he's just like lumps with a face gashed into it. Yeah, like he, he's, he's played by Vernon Wells, who was the bad guy in, in Mad Max 2. Yeah. And he just, He's just a Mad Max villain in, in this movie, but but like but like, but like without the wasteland makeup. I mean, this is he, he's he's just a he's just a, like a man made of crazy violence. Like you could tell me this film was set in the Mad Max universe, and I would buy it. Yeah, well, like yeah, which it like basically is. Yeah, it's filmed in Australia. Like you could just say this is set like five years before the first Mad Max movie. When, yeah. when, like, society is shit, but it hasn't fully disintegrated yet. Yeah. Mad Max. Thumbs up. Mad Max 2. Thumbs up. Mad Max 3. Nah, oh. Thumbs in the middle. Mad Max Fury Road. Two thumbs up. Two th- yeah, no. Uh, what a holy... <sighs> I like yeah. it in depth. Who, who, who's excited for 3,000 Years of Solitude or whatever that movie's called? Where Idris Elba plays a genie with Tilda Swinton and it's directed by George Miller. I mean, I'll see anything he does. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, I'm. I mean, yes, I know, but but I don't know. Look, if if, if this is the man who brought us both Mad Max Fury Road and Happy Feet, I'm sure we can do a genie movie. I mean, Babe Pig in the City yeah, is, and, uh, is what I'd slot into yeah. that statement rather than well, like, Happy I'll, Feet. It was just like I, I, I wasn't picking like his other his other masterpiece. I was just picking like what's the most different movie from Mad Max Fury Road. True. I'd still say Babe Pig in the City. No, that's got like tons of humans in it, though. But, so does Happy No, no, but it's all, it's all CGI. No, there are living humans in Happy Feet. Oh, right, well, there are. Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Got you. Yeah. Hang your head in shame. <laughs> now go up to the Panopticon Garden and insult them so you get tased. Time dash. Oh, you're okay. They tased you a lot. You're still crackling with the electricity. <laughs> your hair is pointing <laughs> on it. <laughs> okay. So, they get put in solitary, which is... So, both movies have people being put in solitary. Yep. Another connection. Great job. Why? No, the only connection we care about is that <laughs> that will help us escape this <laughs> prison we are in. And they both say fortress in them. That's right. So, yep. they're, they're in solitary. So, in this movie, solitary means you stand in different sorts of laser beams. So, the, 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 the usual laser beams that keep them in the cells, those are red. It is. Imagine, These laser beams, blue. Imagine, and you have to stand up in like a... 
you you just stand up and then the the, the, the laser beams are in a circle around you and if you move at all you're going to get burned by the lasers. Imagine an agonizer from Star Trek but uh, instead of glass it's blue laser beams. Yeah. And uh, they, they have to stand there and they get interrogated by the computer and the computer like, you're going to have to stand there until you tell us uh, who started the fight because fighting is against the rules. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it really does seem like they should just agonize the intestinize them. Yeah. And 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 Gomez is uh, obviously like so it's 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 Gomez, Brennick, and Maddox who are each in an isolation laser cage, and Gomez is being made to like uh, say who who it was who instigated the fight, and he, he doesn't want to say it was Brennick because yeah. he doesn't want to sell out uh, his friend who saved him, and he doesn't want to say it was Maddox because uh, he's a, a murderer and a rapist and he's yeah. scared of him. And uh, so he's very worried. And then, uh, because he's the hero of the movie, eventually Brennick's like, "I did it. I started. I was, I was like, I got half a friend. I was like, well, I should say it again, but with his accent. <laughs> I mean, I said, no, I, I can't do, do that. It. Do I, it. Do I, an impression I, of Christoph I, Lambert's I, 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 I don't think I even have a clue as do to it. how I would do it. <laughs> Go on, try. No, just like, see what happens. It, it's just gonna be Swedish chef again. That's what happened before. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> is that what that was? Yeah, I was like, I'm going to do Belgian. Nope, can't do Belgian. I'll do the one European accent I can do. Yeah. Swedish chef. The Muppets are really good. Just want everyone to know that. Thumbs up to the Muppets. Sweetums. Dr. Teeth. <laughs> Zoot. Floyd. Animal. Janice. Scooter. Kermit. Miss Piggy. Sam the Eagle. Crazy Harry. Jason Siegel. All your favorite Muppets. Love them all. Pepe, the racist sh- shrimp. So. New Zealand. <laughs> so John is taken to the mind wipe chamber. Yes. Because um, because of. Uh, because fighting is against the rules. Because fighting is against the rules in this future prison, which is in the past. Um, and and uh, at the same time, Poe has a big old crush on Karen. And as I see, that's your boy. I won't mind wipe him if you stay with me and we, you know. So, like, as John's been put in the mind wipe chamber, which is just like a big gyroscope that he's strapped into and it spins around. It's, uh, yeah, it's it, pretty looks, it looks pretty fun. <laughs> it is. This is the bit of the film where, because uh, let me just read to you uh, the, the opening of Fortress's yeah. Wikipedia page. Fortress is a 1992 science fiction action film directed by Stuart Gordon and shot at Warner Brothers Movie World in Queensland, Australia, uh, which is a theme park. Yes. And this is the bit of the film where you're like, oh, this is definitely shot at a theme park. Yeah. Because it is just one of those spinning gyroscopes that you're in the middle, you hold the ends, uh, and then uh, Stuart Gordon does a lot of like early 90s iMovie Quantel video effects. Yeah, for like five minutes, the movie just turns into a sort of like low budget version of Vampire 2001, where it's just like just colors and lights and his face just over yeah. and over again, and everything's like dissolving into each other and stuff. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so ju- just before uh, just before they they activate the mind wiping gyroscope, they bring in Karen to say like, "Hey, don't uh, get mind wiped or whatever," and just like apologize for doing a fight. And he's like, "No, I'm not going to do that." And then they mind wipe him. After three days of being in the mind wipe machine, Kurt Smith bring, brings up to his room and is yeah. like, hey, I'll let your husband out of the mind wipe chamber, but you've got to come and live with me in my quarters. And she's like, no, you're a gross Kurt Smith. 
and my husband's a hot hunk. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> and then Kurt sort of like points at the screen to like, him? I mean, kind of. At this point, his face is made of bruises. <laughs> you sure you still want that? And also like, he's Christopher Lambert, he's, who's like everyone and thus no one's idea of an attractive man. Yeah. Like he, he, like, he sort of looks like, like he sort of looks like Thomas Jane a bit, but, yeah. but like, he looks like someone forgot Thomas Jane. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a sun-bleached uh, cardboard dandy of, like, Tom Cruise, I guess. Yeah, sort like, of. All, a lot of the details have worn away. And eventually she's like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll come and live with you in your weird uh, uh, future dystopia quarters. And so... Uh, and so, so, uh, uh, and so, Brennick is let out. He goes back to his cell, and uh, he is uh, uh, he is Jack Nicholson at the end of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, he is just an empty shell of a human being. He uh, cannot talk. He cannot emote. He has no he, like. He he is basically dead inside. And uh, then there is a four month time dash. Yeah, uh, and we know this because his hair grows long. Yeah. Um, even though uh, Clifton Collins Jr.'s hair does not grow long. No, because he's still sentient enough for haircuts. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, so in, 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 uh, so this, this whole time, Karen has been living in Kirkwood Smith's apartment with him, yeah. and uh, she gives Kirkwood Smith some champagne. Yeah. After, this is after she's found out that he's a cyborg man. She gives him some drugged champagne. He uh, instantly falls over. Yeah. And, and, and she goes... Like someone pressed his off button. Yeah. And, and she goes over to the computer and she's like, oh, I'll use the mind control dream telescope on my husband and see what's going on. And so then, then we like see inside his brain. We see like what dreams he's having now that his, now that his mind has been erased. And his dream seems to be like him as a child sitting at the bottom of a hole and he's just sitting down there in the hole and then because she's using the mind machine uh, his wife ends up inside of a dream with him somehow the whole like metaphysics of how dreams work in this movie is uh, never super clear it's just like dreams are happening and you can uh, you can go in dreams I guess so she she somehow like goes into his dream and starts being like hey Brunick come out of this come out of a metaphorical child hole that you're living in. I thought the child at the bottom of the well was his was the dead. So 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 did I. Yeah. But 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 then over the course of the scene, you like oh, yeah. because like the, the the child starts like reaching up out of a hole and then when the child grabs onto her hand, it cuts back to him and it, it cuts back to the child and now it's Brennick. And so I mean in in the, in the credits there's like like oh, yeah. there's Brennick age free or whatever. Oh okay. Yeah. That's yeah. much less interesting. Yeah. There are some like other stuff they're like hints of their dead child in like other room sequences where there's a baby's cot and it's like in spooky darkness and the camera like zooms in on it and stuff but like it's 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 not particularly interested in in, in investigating parental grief no but um, it's just, just just one of the many things this movie is not particularly interested in investigating well uh, i'm only interested in investigating one thing how do we get out of this damn <laughs> prison so what they get and what we need is a map. And now, yep. a lot like us, they keep their maps in crystals. Yes. Uh, and, and so they steal. Oh well, so she 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 goes into she goes into his mind, and when she does the thing of metaphorically reaching out and pulling him out of a hole, uh, that pulls him out of the hole of his brain. Yeah. It's sort of it's all like a proto get out where he's stuck in a big hole in his brain. Yep. Uh, I'm sure this is. Yeah. Oh no! I, I, like actually, like it might be. Yeah. 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 Oh, I like if, 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 if I was ever interviewing Jordan Peele, I'd be like, so is the scene? <laughs> yeah. And he'd be like. 
Yeah. Yeah. So she steals a hologram crystal uh, after. She, so yeah, she, she, which she, is a lot like the hologram crystals we have here in the future, which gives me a thought. Yeah. Time dash. So I just spent four months living with the person who lives inside the the the, the 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 robot of Kurt Woodsmith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's redundant to say that he is a Kurt W model zero zero D. Uh, name designation Smith, um, and unfortunately they've digi- they've gone digital. They've ah. upgraded all their crystals to hard drives. Damn it! And the computer, and, and I, so I just had to be like, um, this four year long, four month long tryst we've had has been really enlightening for me. Never been with a cyborg before, and, and uh, it finds that th- though your heart may beat in binary, it still does beat. And I shed a single tear, um, but you need to send me back down i've got a conversation about the film fortress to finish so i've not been able to get us a crystal that's too bad and neither of us wear giant glasses like um like, like jeffrey combs like jeffrey combs does because and they put the crystal in his glasses and then yeah because yeah, to to look at to okay this is obvious once she finds out that that her husband is back uh, she she steals the hologram crystal and gives it to Abraham, who works uh, as like his job in the prison is to like uh, is is to be like uh, Kurt Smith's butler. Yeah, and so she gives it to him. He gets it back down to uh, to 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 Brennick, and they're like, "How can we look at this uh, this this hologram map?" Yeah, and Jeffrey comes like, "You fools! You need a laser to do this." But we're we're gonna find a laser, yeah, and they turn t- around and see, "Oh, we've got these laser bars behind us. Yeah, how are we gonna hold this in the laser?" And Jeffrey Combs is like, I've got you guys once again. He pops one of the lenses out of his giant glasses, and somehow this, this hologram disc fits right inside. And yeah. then, then he holds the he holds his glasses inside the laser, and uh, he, he shoots the hologram out all over the all over this out. And and they look at it, and they're like, Great, they're like, yeah, these these are these are certainly uh, these are certainly very generic blueprints for this for this fortress. And, and, and they kind of learn a way out, but there's there's a bit of tension. They drop it. Someone's arm gets burned. They're almost caught by the rope. Woven cameras, standard life when you're in a yeah. laser prison like we are. Um, and, and now that we've learned that there's not a map, uh, it's a bit troubling. Yeah. I don't really know where they're going to get out. And I, more importantly, I don't know how we're going to get out. I don't know. But so they... Uh... The uh, we talked about the fight with Maddox. Oh, you know, no, we we totally skipped over that. Yeah, that's the reason that, that he gets mind wiped. It's because he has the fight with Maddox. That yes, after the first fight with Maddox and the like interrogation and the solitary yeah. confinement things, him and Gomez are walking through the walking through prison again one day, and uh, he hears from behind him, "Hey, fuckface," or, or <laughs> yeah. something, and yeah. uh, and he turns around to see Vernon Wells uh, 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 kick him in the face down some stairs. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, him and Vernon Wells have. Uh, an incredibly gross, uh, bloody fight, and uh, where the Vebo just get battered to shit. Uh, and it's pretty great. It's yeah. what you come to the film for. Oh, it's a good ab- fight. absolutely, yeah. And uh, I and I thought it was very accurate to my experience of prison brawls yeah. because, like most prison brawls, it ended with the person in the sphere choosing that one of them, sh- one of the two people who was fighting should explode um which is maddox he he explodes well well, well so um so uh, uh, one more during the fight uh they're, 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 they're both standing on uh, they are both standing on a bridge and kirkwood smith is like hey computer retract that bridge and the bridge starts retracting away yeah and they're, they're still fighting 
and then uh, then 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 uh, then, then Brennick knocks Maddox off the bridge and he's, he's hanging off and Kirkwood Smith is like yes now Brennick kill him and Brennick's like no I don't want to become a monster yeah and so he helps he helps Maddox back up even though he's a rapist and a murderer and really should, should probably just let him die I guess uh, but he, he helps him up and then the retractable bridge uh, stops retracting with yeah. like just enough room for them both to stand on it. Yeah. And Kurtwood Smith's like, you didn't obey me, so now I'll kill him myself. Mm-hmm. And then uh, sends down a, a uh, I believe it's called a neutron gun in the film. That's right. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, blasts uh, uh, a giant hole uh, all the way through Vernon Wells. Um, uh, enough for uh, Christoph Lambert to retrieve his intestinator. Oh, so, 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 that, that, that's where he gets it? That's where he gets okay. it. Okay, so, that makes sense. And, and that is why after the, they've tried to use the map, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Jeffrey Coombs is like, oh, I can use the magnetic element in this intestinator to pull out everyone else's intestinators, yeah. and uh, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah, there, there, there is this super gross scene where Jeffrey Coombs puts the intestinator, puts the intestinator on Stiggs, who is like a good guy now, I guess. Now that Maddox has been dead for a while, he pulls the intestinator. Uh, he pulls the intestinator up out of Stiggs, like how they say in the film, when you have like two magnets on each side of a piece of paper, you can move one magnet around that moves the other one. Yeah. And it's it's like that, but with uh, two bombs and human skin. <laughs> um, and, and you see it like move all the way up his throat and you see like you see it, like move up his chest and then up to his throat. And then he just like starts like frothing like white goo out of his mouth. It's and it's, fucking great. It's, it's, so, it's so gross. Uh, and then uh, uh, they do that to everyone else, but off screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so now it's proper escape attempt time. Yeah. But unfortunately, our the our bombs are encoded into our DNA, Sadly, so we can't. Yeah. Uh, but so they 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 uh, they 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 put the intestinator bombs on uh, on on uh, uh, on a pipe that leads to a yeah. that leads to a utility shaft, and then they start a fight uh, because they know that the intestinators are going to get exploded. Yeah. And then they do, and then that opens the the uh, route to the utility oh, yeah, shaft. That, and uh, and um, uh, uh, Poe sends in strike clones. Oh, well, well, who are well, these people in in Fallout style armor? Yeah. And, and then Zed, the computer, is like, "Oh, there's one thing I did not tell you. By the way, the woman who's been living with you stole the crystal." Yeah, the 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 the, the computer waits for a weirdly long amount of time to. To, to tell Kurtwood Smith this incredibly important information, yeah, I mean it tells him like you're 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 relieved of duty, you're 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 done in this place, mm-hmm. and and he's like, uh, but uh, but I like I was I was uh, I was born here, like I was like I was created to to run this prison. I don't know anything else. And the community was like, too bad, beep boop, <laughs> <laughs> go outside, fuck base. <laughs> The strike clones have these sweet as arm guns. Yeah, and they uh, 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 they shoot the shit out of Stiggs. Yeah, he gets <laughs> they... he gets eviscerated by by cool machine guns. Um, and luckily he's holding on to a bit of a pipe above him for while he's being shot, so he can see that yes. they've rigged up squibs on both sides of him. Yeah, and we can see him get shot for longer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty great. Uh, they manage to steal the weapon off the strike clone and kill him. They take off his face and, and just it's... oh man, it's messed up. Yeah, it, it looks like Darth. Vader's face at the end of Return uh, of the Jedi, but like grosser. Oh no, yeah, if HR Giga took yes, a pass um, on, yeah. on, on, on Darth Vader's Like his, his like eyes are sewn shut. With like metal needles. Yeah, it's, it's oh god, it's so good. Um, they uh, hijack one of the gun oh, turrets. They may like pull his arms off. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. 
they they hijack one of the gun turrets and use it as yeah. an elevator well, uh, after shooting just like a shit ton more of these of these clone soldiers, um, including one that they that they just ex- well yeah they use the gun turret to explode this one. Um, and, and so uh, uh, Poe is like, oh, I'm I'm so mad at um not Stiggs. Who is the person who stole Abraham? Abraham. Um, who who put the crystal back? Yeah. Um. Uh. Because Karen stole it. Um. And goes to to kill uh, Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Karen's like, don't. And uh, does the good old smash a glass pane to make a dagger and stab him in the back. She just stabs him so many times, and and just like blue goo squirts out at her. And Kurt Smith doesn't react at all. Yeah, because he's a cyborg. It's, it's good. And he, he kills Abraham. It's very sad. Yeah. Eventually, escape team one. I uh, get into the sphere and yeah. they find Poe there alone. And he's like, check out all the sweet holes in the back of my suit. Camera lingers on them a lot. Like this film objectifies a lot of things, but the holes in the back of his jacket are definitely number one. Um, and he uh, uh, is like, look, sorry, but Karen's going to have a fatal C-section now. And uh, we get yeah, video yeah, footage yeah, because yeah, of... she's been pregnant the whole movie, and yeah. like four months have passed since we're getting so yeah, and because they, they do like weird so experiments that's on why babies they need in the, the movie, four months yeah, yeah, time pass. right? Yes. <laughs> otherwise, it just otherwise seems somewhat irrelevant, yeah, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so then they explode Kurtwood Smith or something? No, the what? Zed is uh, like, Kurtwood Smith, uh, I told you to get out of here. Right, yeah, and yeah. And then uh, the computer blows them up. Okay, yeah, and then uh, 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 and then Jeffrey Combs does some hacking because it turns out he's he's uh, he's the world's best hacker. Yeah. His character's name is D-Day, by the way. Yeah, uh, who was famous for uh, ex- uh, explosives is what we learned earlier. Right, but yes. But it turns out hacking as well well and he does some hacking that um oh, yeah. the reason that he was in prison is he, he 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 was he was he was an explosives expert and he was involved in a bank robbery yeah but he was too good at explosions and he blew up all the money when when he blew up the safe and so all of his all, all, all the people who was with turned him in he was only supposed to blow the bloody doors <laughs> yeah. off uh, i i believe uh, to coin a phrase yeah um and then he um complete the thought brain and so now then like uh, just as jeffrey Combs is completing his task of hacking into the computer yeah uh, a bunch more clone soldiers come in and they uh, shoot jeffrey Combs to shit as well and it's very sad because you're like oh jeffrey Combs, you're the most charismatic person in a movie yeah, by a long yeah. margin um and, and like i i i, I love kurt smith but like this is not like the, the, no, like no. he's not bringing like robo he's not bringing like robocop energy well to and he's also like he was paid you know yeah. half a million bucks for a week of work yeah, and yeah. he's cashing in and cashing out and like you can't be mad at him yeah but, but like you, you like yeah but like this entire movie you're waiting for him to have a bitch's leave scene or just like any one of his like great like yeah. robocop scenes and he, he just kind of doesn't, doesn't. Yeah. yeah um but but he explodes pretty good which is which is fun uh and then we get and, and then basically christoph lambert uh, breaks Karen free. It is very funny uh, in this year, 2120, to hear mm. someone trying to save a Karen rather than leaving her to her justified doom. Um, 
and I I thought because we get these three guys in like medical outfits with bizarre implements, I was like, I cannot wait for this. Fight. Yeah, no, same, same. Uh, but then he turns up in the room, points the gun, and says, "Leave her," and they just step back. Yeah, and that's. And uh, I was at least expecting to see there be like gross faces or something because they're all wearing like medical, like surgical masks and stuff. Yeah. But no, we, we never see their faces. No. Never get to see them fight. They, they get Karen. Uh, it's just. Uh, Karen, Lambert, and Gomez, they yeah. find a truck, they burst through a wall, and... Uh, then they drive to Mexico. Which, in some versions of the film, is the ending. Cut right, to yeah. Christophe Lambert, Karen, happy with a baby. Hmm. But no, in the full version, the version we saw, she's like, oh, my, in this incredible piece of ADR of this, like, minute-long, long shot. Oh, uh, of this, like, giant oh, future truck. <laughs> giant future truck. You're like, oh, no, my water's breaking oh i can't we gotta wait till we're in mexico oh no i'm having the baby now and it's just so and, and, like, and chris Lemon is like no hold it oh. and, and then but like next and then like that that cuts to a shot of a fence that has a sign saying this is the mexican border and then and then and then the truck just drives through the fence yep uh then they arrive at a barn and uh, she goes into having a, a, a real a real shitty barn uh and uh, and, and gomez is like i need to get something from the truck yeah but z10 has reconnected with the truck the truck is now the bad guy the truck runs over gomez it is highly anticlimactic and then christopher yeah <laughs> christopher it, it, Lambert it sounds like it's a truck yeah. for like three minutes yeah it's, it's it's like driving through the barn it's driving all around it has to take a long time to to do like a circle to come back pretty crazy yeah and like standing directly yeah he stands he stands directly in front of this armored truck and fires a machine gun into the front of it instead of like shoot instead of standing to the side and shooting at the wheels like a sensible person would and like this guy like at the beginning of the film we learn he's supposed to be some like he he was some like like great soldier he was like and like he's he's showing nothing of that here like he's just good at standing still and firing a gun and going ah. Um, but eventually he just shoots at enough. Well, and well no, no. Eventually he he runs the bullet, so he switches to flamethrower mode. Yeah. And he sets the truck on fire. These guns have three barrels. One is bullets. One is flamethrower, and we never learn what the third yeah. is. Yeah. And that's maybe I hope that's in the, Fortress the Two. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. So. Uh, he sets it on fire and uh, it goes out of control. Uh, drives yeah. into the barn where uh, drives into the barn where Karen is giving birth. Yeah, uh, flips over and uh, does a giant explosion, like three or four giant like, explosions, like a bit like bigger explosions than I was expecting out of this movie. Well, and uh, this film is real being the, like the, those are the sort of explosions you have to be in Australia to do. Oh, absolutely. Um, and- you have to be like there is nothing but kangaroos for forty miles around this. <laughs> Uh, uh, but he's like, oh no, she's died. And then uh, about 10 seconds later, he finds her, she's fine and has had the baby. Yeah. And, and that's the end. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that upsets me the most about this film is we can't use any of that to escape the panopticon. But like, what about that guy over there with that, with that giant uh, free-belled gun on his arm? Huh. Surely we could steal one of those. I haven't thought punch about sounds, that. sounds, <laughs> rumble, 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 rumble. I've got the gun now. <laughs> time dash, time, time dash. dash. We're in Mexico. We're in Mexico. Hey! hey. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure why we decided to go to Mexico from New Zealand. I mean, uh, there are people in America, in the American film industry, who call New Zealand uh, Mexico with cell phones. Really? And so it's a true fact, because yeah. we're, we're cheap, uh, and thanks right. to John Key, we can't unionize, yeah. think, or have good contracts. We're in Mexico, we're so, we've got cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
and it is because it is 2121 we're now we're in a wonderful world everything's a little better yeah and we we made we made sure to slash the tires of our sea truck <laughs> yeah. uh, just after we got off it so it cannot chase us yeah and, and i feel like there's only one thing that's one final bit of business for us to sort out and that's let me uh, otto let me ask yeah. you fortress was a shy or sound uh i it's I I mean I'm I'm more I'm more in the middle on this than you are. I think the last act of this is sound. Yeah, I think yes. the, the like ending of this movie is such fun B movie like trash filmmaking with like really good like re- really really fun really fun effects and yeah. really good gore and I, I love it so much. The 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 middle of a movie uh, super boring and and it. Like, the middle of this movie makes a lot more sense, I think, when you realize they had lots of, they were planning to have lots of money. Yes, yeah. And I think the middle was supposed to be full of spectacle that they now uh, do not have the money to achieve. Yeah. Um, it's like, I, I would say it is somewhere in the middle between between shite and sound. But, yeah. I, but I think if, if they'd got that budget and they'd had Schwarzenegger, I think this would be sound. I think this would be like a like total recall level, like like piece of like fun exploitation uh i don't think it would be total recall but Mm. that's but that's good i yeah i think it's good i think it's shite but i think it's good shite yeah you know um i think it is kind of what you want out of it's it is that interesting thing of like 15 million dollars is too much money yes but also not enough money for for this film yeah and i think uh uh there is a sci-fi channel quality to the when it is trying to have drama yeah uh, uh, that really does not help it and, and makes it feel a bit like depressing and bland rather than like weird and interesting yeah i'm like the thing is i'm gonna watch reanimator again i'm never gonna watch this again yeah yeah i mean that statement might come back to haunt me but it's also because it's now hard to find a copy there's only seemingly that one copy in the panopticon um so where, where are you gonna go now I I I I think I might trick on up to future Canada. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get get some of that cyber poutine. Um I'm I'm just worried worried about crossing the disunited states of America. No, it's okay. There's a tunnel underneath now. <laughs> right, just yeah. go straight from Mexico to Canada. Oh, sweet. We don't have to deal with any of that garbage. Oh, okay, great. Let's go. Yeah. Let, let's go through the um, Mexicanada tunnel. Yeah. I was trying to think, like, what is the channel of Mexico-Canada? Okay. So, I... Oh, but it feels so weird to me. It's so strange. We've shared this bonding experience, breaking out of that prison. Do you want to get together every week and watch two films <laughs> and talk about them? Yeah, sure. So, let's, like, let's do that. So... The Grand Illusion is um, number 76. I think so. On the BFI Top 100 list. What if we watch number 75? Enfant de Paradis or Children of Paradise. And um, we should watch another film with that. What yep. film should we watch? Mamma Mia! Exclamation mark. Here we go again. Where can we find you online, Finn? Uh, I don't know, and who cares? Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod, and you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Uh, check out our website at shiteandsound.com. I'm on all of your social medias, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. I'm Youthalives, U-T-H-E-R-L-I-V-E-S. Sign up for my newsletter at bit.ly slash Youthalives. Our theme song 
is The Nux by Kazan Blam. You check them out on Bandcamp. Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go, Go watch them. Razors on Amazon, <laughs> or you buy razors from <laughs> Harry's Club. <laughs> no, the sponsors of Shite and Sound. Uh, no, we we do not. If you want to sponsor the show and are not a despicable company, oh, I don't want to say that. If you've got money and would like to hear these two mellifulous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh at me when I mispronounce words. He's pretending to kill himself with a pen. Um, or maybe I was giving myself a adrenaline injection <laughs> in my heart to get over that heroin overdose. Ah, nope, I was killing myself. I mean, <laughs> are heroin a overdoses bluff. a major problem in your life? Uh, no, but they could be. I mean, there's one specific circumstance. Like, yep. like one of my worries about you as a person, from one prisoner to another, uh, is with the whole straight edge thing. Um, which, like, obviously, you do you, <laughs> but people who fall off straight edge do tend to be like, oh no, okay, and now, yeah. like, Finn's great, he's nice. You just can't talk to him on one of his uh, crystal methamphetamine. But yeah, there's a there's a uh, joke I wrote a few years ago, which I never ended up doing because I couldn't find a way to make it uh, uh, funny. But, um... <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and you you still name it a joke. Yeah. But, uh, well, I, can't, I cannot. That's I, very I, hypocritical I, yeah. of me. I know. But, um, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. But it, it was something along the lines of people always tell me to like to like loosen up. You know, yeah. like like I'm a fucking knot. But you know what happens with, with a knot when you loosen it? It fucking unravels. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um. But, I. I but it, that's like you and me funny. Yeah. That, that's not like that's not like audience of a classic funny. <laughs>